must have dreamed a thousand dreams and haunted by a million screams. But I can hear marching feet. They're moving into the street. Did you read the news today? They say the danger's gone away, but I can see the fire still alive. They're burning into the night. There's too many men, too many people making too many problems, and not much left to go around. Can't you see this is the land of confusion? Spokesperson and former Sunday, everyone. To those of you that are celebrating Palm Sunday today, happy Palm Sunday. Uh, to those of you that it's the second Sunday of um, uh, Lent, um, today it was a quite interesting <laughs> how that works, right? Um, that uh, we were having the reading of St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And um, What's interesting is, is that in this specific reading, he says, in the beginning, the Lord found the earth in the beginning and the heavens and our work of his hands. That was very interesting. You know, that was very interesting because I kind of like cocked my head. I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. I think that's something that, you know, we can bring into discussion because it discusses, you know, angels and the difference between angels and demons and 
setting sending spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation. That is um, from letter to the Hebrews uh, 1, 10 through 14 and 2, 1 through 3. Um, so that was actually for those of you that actually follow the Christian faith. <laughs> um, you should read that. That's a quite interesting one. Just reread it. It's, sometimes when we reread things, it makes um, more sense and we have different insight. So I thought that um, we start with uh, President Trump's uh, interview with Judge Jeanine Pirro, which I was struggling to find. And thank God for the moderators. Um, I was kind of rushing to get back and I was like, I just can't seem to find it. I put a search thing and maybe, you know, my settings, because everyone has individual settings through YouTube and other things. Um, uh, it's disallowing me to find it. So I want us to go through that. I also want us to go through a panel where they were discussing about President Trump bringing on another form of social media platform. Uh, and then I want us to talk about the movie yesterday uh, that we saw only because I thought it would be fair. There's a lot of people that um, either don't have prime or weren't able to, so they could watch it, I guess, or find out about it, whatever. Uh, and that way we can kind of like talk about it for a second. All right. So let's start with the interview, which I'm not going to show any images of only because on Twitch, uh, Fox actually strikes channels. Um, there's three strikes that you can get. And um, uh, Fox had given me a strike on election night for uh, streaming the election results. So here we are. And let's start this interview. Take a listen. Reporters. And it appears that Joe's handlers didn't think he could stand up to Peter Ducey from Fox News because Ducey never got a question. Funny. I have memories of President Donald Trump going for CNN's Jim Acosta right out of the gate just to set the record straight. Now, Joe Biden also lost his train of thought repeatedly, mid-sentence rambled on and showed his inability to maintain his cool, even asking the press, what's wrong with you people? Surprising, in a Trump presser, they would have yelled back, what's wrong with you? My favorite part was when a reporter asked the president about his relationship with China. He cautiously said he'd make them follow the rules. How can he possibly make China accountable and follow the rules when he can't even take a question from Peter Ducey? And it actually took him seven minutes to answer that question. And after that seven minutes and a bumpy ride in the woods, no one even remembered what the question was in the first place. But when Joe was asked about what happened last week when the Chinese delegation wiped the floor with his secretary of state, Blinken, Joe obviously didn't even get it because he said this. I'm very proud of the Secretary of State. We now have more than 18,000 unaccompanied children who have crossed and are in custody, 20% of whom have no relative in this country. A president who refuses to admit there's a crisis after he stopped deportations for 100 days of even convicted felons. Folks, this is a mess. We're watching a president telling us the borders are closed. 
yet not allowing the press to see what is happening and complimenting himself for being such a great guy. And the Biden administration is only just getting started. The border. And do you suspect that you will get there before they do? Well, I'm not looking to have a race. I'm looking to get a problem solved. This is going to destroy our country. We have have potentially millions of people coming up over a fairly short period of time. And these are people that in a large way are not people that we want in our country. You have criminals coming up. You have murderers, rapists, drug dealers coming up. Because these countries, and I get along very well with the heads of every one of the countries, whether it's Guatemala, Honduras, or El Salvador, or Mexico. But, you know, they're not looking to have their finest people leave their country. But they don't mind if MS-13 leaves their country. And Yeah. But, but Mr. President, we have no way to vet or identify who these people are. What should the administration be doing? And, and by the way, President Obrador, uh, by the way, criticized the Biden administration uh, and said, you know, that that you had engaged and had a process together where you held them in Mexico. But, you know, now the Biden administration has ended all that. Why would they do that? Well, we had a great process, and with the president of Mexico, who's a terrific guy and a friend of mine, we had a great process, and it was a strong process. And frankly, they weren't coming into Mexico by the time we really got it going because they weren't coming in at Mexico's southern border. They weren't coming in because they knew they couldn't come into the United States. So you didn't have the problems. Now, once they say, we're letting you in, you're going to have, and they already have, if you take a look at the uh, the overtop shots or the airplane shots, we already have thousands and thousands of people marching up to our border. And we don't know who those people are, and they right. let them in. And then there's just nothing you can do. Once they're here, you're not going to get them out. It's a very serious problem well, and know, getting worse. Clearly, Susan Collins was at the border, Senator Susan Collins, and she said that they were actually taunting her that from across the border. And Senator Ted Cruz said stuff very similar about what was going on the border. They, they were stunned. And yet and that the Biden administration doesn't seem to even want to go there or resolve the problem. They cut all the funding for the wall. What what is going to happen with those contracts? of the, you know, for the wall and the subterranean connections and the lights. If, if Biden stopped all those contracts, do we still pay for them? We've paid for it already. The contracts are completed. The wall should be completed by now if he let it. He stopped it almost in his first day. He stopped construction of the wall. Yes. And this is a wall that it was, I, look, we built almost 500 miles of wall and it's new wall. You know, they like to say it's renovated wall. We took wall down and we built new wall. So when we take wall down and we build new wall, they like to say it's a renovation. It's not. This is new, really the top of the line. It's tech, technological, technologically advanced, like you wouldn't believe, with the wires. And we're hooked up for drones. We're hooked up for everything. And this is great stuff. And they stopped construction. And so we have some open areas. We had to leave certain areas to get everything back in as we completed it. And they didn't finish it up. It was just a very simple thing to do. It would have taken a very short period of time. And so you have gaps. Now, they cover the gaps easily with the Border Patrol, but you don't even have to do that. They should finish the wall immediately. And and that has to be number one. Stay in Mexico policy has to get reenacted, which isn't that easy anymore because now Mexico's angry at us. Now 
the other countries are not respecting us. And now you can go a step even further right. and bigger. China has never spoken to me the way they spoke to our representatives a week right. ago. I've never seen anything like it. And I just heard on your show and other shows, and I read constantly what's going on with North Korea. And now the United States wants China's mm -hmm. help with North Korea, but we're not getting along with China. And for stupid reasons, I've never seen I've never seen China disrespect this country like they did last week. All right. Well, Mr. President, I know that your time is valuable. I just want to get a sense. Do you think you'll go next week or the week after? Well, I don't want to set a schedule, but over the next few weeks, I guess I'll go. And I'm, I'm not sure that I really <laughs> uh, should do it, Janine, other than the fact that I have such respect for the Border Patrol and for ICE. And these people, they're, they're, they're dying for leadership. There's nothing. There's no leadership. You have to see the squalor, the children. And, and frankly, people that have come in to the country, uh, when you, you look at what's happening, the dirt and the filth of those places, that's why they're not letting the it's press very in. very sad. And frankly, if that were it's me, the sad. press would be going crazy. It's a very dangerous situation. It's horrible for our country. They, they're right. going to destroy our country. Press all right. President Trump, thank you so much for being with us. I know your time is valuable. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank and you very still much, ahead, Jenny. Peter Navarro, Leo Terrell, and T thank you. Still ahead, Peter Navarro. Wait, let's listen. Let, let's listen to that last portion just one more time right here. The last two minutes again. Here we go. And they cut all the funding for the wall. What what is going to happen with those contracts of the, you know, for the wall and the subterranean connections and the lights? If, if Biden stopped all those contracts, do we still pay for them? We've paid for it already. The contracts are completed. The wall should be completed by now if he let it. He stopped it almost in his first day. He stopped construction of the wall. Yes. And this is a wall that it was. I, look, we built almost 500 miles of wall and it's new wall. You know, they like to say it's renovated wall. We took wall down and we built new wall. So when we take wall down and we build new wall, they like to say it's a renovation. It's not. This is new, really the top of the line. It's tech, technological, technologically advanced, like you wouldn't believe, with the wires. And we're hooked up right. for drones. We're hooked up for everything. And this is great stuff. And they stopped construction. And so we have some open areas. We had to leave certain areas to get everything back in as we completed it. And they didn't finish it up. It was just a very simple thing to do. It would have taken a very short period of time. And so you have gaps. Now, they cover the gaps easily with the Border Patrol, but you don't even have to do that. They should finish the wall immediately. And, and that has to be number one. Stay in Mexico policy it has to get reenacted, which isn't that easy anymore because now Mexico's angry at us. Now uh, the other countries are not respecting us. And now you can go a step even further right. and bigger. China has never spoken to me the way they spoke to our representatives a week right. ago. I've never seen anything like it. And I just heard on your show and other shows, and I read constantly what's going on with North Korea. And now the United States wants China's mm -hmm. help with North Korea, but we're not getting along with China. And for stupid reasons, I've never seen, I've never seen China disrespect this country like they did last week. All right. Well, Mr. President, I know that your time is valuable. I just want to get a sense. Do you think you'll go next week or the week after? Well, I don't want to set a schedule, but over the next few weeks, I guess I'll go. And I'm, I'm not sure that I really <laughs> uh, 
should do it, Janine, other than the fact that I have such respect for the Border Patrol and for ICE. And these people, they're, they're, they're dying for leadership. There's nothing. There's no leadership. You have to see the squalor, the children. And, and frankly, people that have come in to the country, uh, when you, you look at what's happening, the dirt and the filth, uh, those places. That's why they're not letting the it's press very in. Very sad. And frankly, if that were it's me, the sad. press would be going crazy. It's a very dangerous situation. It's horrible for our country. They, they're right. going to destroy our country. So you know, if I was someone that lived in a border town, riddled with um, a lot of I don't know uh, illegal migrants, really close to the migrant camps. I would totally have a city council meeting and totally invite President Trump just to let them have a meltdown. I think um, that would be quite fascinating. Now, I want you guys to, well, I don't know if you guys can hear. The wind is blowing really hard where I'm at. It's really bad weather today. Lots of rain hitting my, my window and blowing through. <laughs> it's almost as if the sky is angry. I want you guys to listen to this discussion here. It's from the Hill. Listen to some words. This is them discussing how President Trump is looking to launch his own social media company. Take a listen. And Miller joined host Howie Kurtz over on Fox News yesterday. Here's what he said when asked if Trump plans to return to social media. I do think that we're going to see President Trump returning to social media in probably about two or three months here with his own platform. And this is something that I think will be the, the hottest ticket in social media. It's going to completely redefine the game. And everybody is going to be waiting and watching to see what exactly President uh, Trump does. But it will be his own platform. Interesting. Author of T.O. Bernie, president and founder of Solidarity Strategies, former senior advisor to the Bernie Sanders campaign, Chuck Rocha, and our colleague, national political reporter. Pay attention to what Rocha says. We'll pause, but you need to pay attention into it. For the Hill, Jonathan Easley joins us now to discuss. Jonathan, let me start with you. You've covered the Trump folks um, for a long time. I've heard a lot of big talk games about third parties, about parlor, about deals with so-and-so. Very few of them ever actually materialize into reality. Uh, what is your read on this one? I mean, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I mean, Miller's got like what a, a two or three month timeline on this thing. So we'll just say, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that they've, they've, they've built out the, the tech and gone through all the things that they need to do. At this point, perhaps they're partnering, uh, with a firm that's already got, got a head start on some of this. Um, but there's definitely an effort right now to get Trump back out there after a few months. I mean, he's been off the scene for basically two months, no access to Twitter, no Facebook, not giving many interviews. Just this morning, he sat with Lisa Booth, uh, for a radio interview. He's going on Fox News this afternoon. And now they're talking about getting, raising his social media profile. So there's this effort to get him back out. Out there, he's been doing a lot behind the scenes, uh, raising money for for Republican candidates that are loyal to him, endorsing Republican candidates that are loyal to him, and this seems like an effort to raise his public profile, which could be a headache for for Biden, who's dealing with uh, a border crisis, and for Mitch McConnell, who's trying to avoid uh, Republican civil war right now. So we'll see what kind of platform he puts out there, but they're definitely trying to get him back out there at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be pretty much be a headache for just everyone in general. Um, Chuck, same question to you. Do you think he's serious about this? Because like Sagar said, oh, he's going to start his own media company. He's going to launch a third party. And then it all just like collapsed down to he's going to send out an email asking people to give money to him. Yeah. Um, is basically where he landed. Do you think that this is any more real? I think it may be somewhat real. The one thing that that's caught me and you hit it on it right there at the end of your comment, which is money. 
I think that anything that has to do with him making money is a serious endeavor because I think that's what he needs the most. I think he's in serious financial straits right now with his hotels, with his legal. Okay, so this is where this guy is wrong, because if he's president, he can't be making money off of public discourse. So he can't have the company. Uh, so this is moot. Bills with what's going on, and we all know he's probably not going to pay any of them. But that to the side, he needs a way and a platform to make money and to get his message out there to make money into his pack that he could spend taking on Republicans who went against him, but also just to make money overall. Rem remind you all that if he creates this and if this thing is real, this is a platform to make money as well because you can then sell advertisement on per se social media platform to a bunch of crazies. Yeah, I think that's an important point there. And he said you can sell advertising that can advertise to a platform with a bunch of crazies. This is how they feel about you. And he said this and no one, uh, you know, batted an eyelash except for the other guy on the panel uh, that was like laughing. Um, he said that, you know, without any, you know, stop. Because imagine if President Trump launches his own social media site, which he won't. It'll be someone else that is um, associated with President Trump. All you're going to see is the same people pushing out the same information, you know, hijacking every single discussion. Everyone's going to be promoting themselves. This is this is how it works. When people realize that public discourse uh, should not be uh, controlled in that sense, uh, <laughs> because it's moot, you're starting to understand that everywhere you go, Everywhere you go, no matter what platform you're on, there's an undertone of only two sides. There's no middle ground. There's no discussion. It's only what they say or that's it. And if you're not saying what they say, they dismiss you. This is both sides. That's what sucks. That means you're controlled, uh, controlled opposition. That's what sucks. So bottom line is the more they try to control a message, Huh. the more it indicates just how big of a psyop this is. Someone today said that um, they had commented about Shadowgate and Jordan Sather's channel. And then they got a message saying that they're not able to con comment for 24 hours in any channel. Like I told you, these uh, big names that are, you know, sitting there and telling you what's going on or the decoders have been reporting people on all social media channels. You understand it? They have been doing it. Your own people have been reporting you. This is ridiculous. They're all doing it. They're all doing it. It's not one or two. They're all doing it. All of them. How sucky is it? Right. I um, shared that comment because I've had other people tell me the same thing, uh, that they were told that, um, you know, uh, because they posted something about Shadowgate in somebody else's channel, the channel owners, owners of the channel can report you and therefore they can get you banned because they're the channel owners. And if they get all their friends, like, you know, if they can get all their coders to do the same thing. Now, listen, if you get banned on any platform, I know it's tedious. I know it takes forever, but you can get discovery and show who reported anything. Like, for example, 
my YouTube thing, you better believe it that once I get all, all of the people that had reported my channel, I'm going to publish it. Now I'm going to tell you from another discovery, I have already received information that it was your own people that were reporting my posts when I was telling people about the implosion in Beirut, your own people, the people you follow, were trying to silence the truth. I've got it in discovery. I'm just going to wait until the case that I have goes national, and it will because it's open and shut. When it goes national, I'm going to make sure that on any page I can, I will publish their names first. It doesn't matter about the left. Of course, they're going to be deranged that they're going to be reporting and they're going to be doing and they're going to be saying nasty comments and everything. (laughs) But what about the people on the right? What about those? You can't lie anymore. There's no place to hide. Every single lie will be uncovered. There will be no stone of truth left uncovered. And for years... I have been pushing, you need to either be part of the solution because if you're part of the problem, you're going to have an even bigger problem. You will not be able to hide. I don't care how many you have. My case, my case will be heard globally. I have got a company so locked in that I'm going to make sure it's heard globally. Because, I mean, no one's going to be able to get, I mean, all of you complaining, oh, you censored me, section 230. That doesn't work. You have to be smarter than them. But, you know, you can't just tell people the truth. Can't tell you. I got to show you. So for those of you continuing to do so, You're going to be having a bumpy, bumpy ride in life because people will loathe you more than they do the fake politicians. That's what's happening. So um, I wanted to continue this because it gets even more interesting, but pay attention to the other guy who's on the panel and what, how he realizes what Rocha said. And how he smirks, but the people at the Hill just let it go. And Jonathan, I mean, this is something I'm curious from your from your reporting, which is that how do national Republicans think that Trump is going to reenter the stage? As we saw, it's been very haphazard. He has endorsements all over the map. It's basically who can make it down to Mar-a-Lago first or get on the phone with him. This would mean kind of a return more to really his just injection into whatever area he wants. How are people thinking and gaming that system? Yeah, well, I mean, we've got just, I mean, scores of Republican candidates looking for promotions from the House to the Senate and the House mm-hmm. to the governor's mansion, all, look, you know, heading down to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring, essentially, and try to try to get his support. Um, I mean, something like this, you know, like like you said, it, it would probably just help Trump sort of weigh in more on the, the day-to-day news churn, hit Biden on immigration or whatever it is that he that he wants to, to weigh in on. But, you know... 
we've been getting these emails from the the former president's uh, office. Like you said, it has just sort of been a haphazard uh, kind of thing at this point. Trump's lawyers sent letters to the RNC, the NRSC, and the NRCC demanding they stop using his likeness in fundraising emails. That whole stack kind of kind of blew over. It's hard to know what what exactly was driving that. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, you, you know, his political operation is a little bit slapdash right now, which is probably why not a lot of people are uh, are, are are believing that he's going to unroll this this massive new social media platform. Uh, but what he says does matter, and Republicans are still seeking his support, and he continues to have loyal support from at least two thirds of the Republican party uh, right now. So whatever he does is going to be, it's going to be important and influential. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how together they can, they can get this role out, I guess. That's right. So Chuck, if he does go forward with this plan to create a whole new social media platform, is that going to be an effective way for him to really dominate the news cycle the way that he used to? Because the thing about Twitter is that every elite is on Twitter and every elite play, pays way too much attention to Twitter. If you're on, you know, side platform X devoted to Trump fans, essentially, do you think that it's going to garner the same amount of media attention and control of media narratives that he was able to with the tweet in the past? That's a great point, Crystal. And what you've said there is what my answer was going to be is how do we cover it? If we cover it and give it all the oxygen that we did every single little tweet, then it becomes very relevant. If people, if the only people, uh, you know, covering it are, are OAN or Fox News, then I don't, I think it's just them talking to themselves. But the way that he can get out there, if this thing becomes real and the mainstream press and other press cover this widely, I think it does have an effect. To Jonathan's point, this is also political and how much impact will he have on primaries coming up in a year and a half in many congressional districts that will all be redrawn. Keep in mind in a place like Texas, they've got to dump in three new congressional races and make room for that. That means there are primaries that are going to happen there. That means in lots of other primaries, there'll be Republicans, safe Republicans, running in districts that are newly drawn to expand or contract based off the population growth. That's his end. That's his end if he raises the money and weighs in in these primaries. These primaries is real. He'll have the most power because of a reduced voting electorate. Yeah, I think you guys both make excellent points. Okay, stick with us. We're going to have more rising right after this. So what do you think of that conversation? Totally bipartisan, right? Okay, I'm just going to stop. So let's go to finish off here with the vaccine and a cool little um, uh, video of CNN's on Twitter that was shared. Does anybody in this restaurant think it's a good idea? Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Take a listen. Does anybody in this restaurant think it's a good idea to take the vaccine? No. Raise your hand if you think it's a good idea. Anyone here is a good idea to take the vaccine? Raise your hand if you think it's a good idea. Not one person here thinks it's a good idea? Complete quiet. Boise City is the county seat of sparsely populated Cimarron County, Oklahoma, where 92% of the voters chose Donald Trump on Election Day. Remember that story I told you about some little town that was secluded from the rest of the world and... National Guard were surrounding them and people thought it was the people inside thought it was because they were being contained because of the disease. So they had no phones, no Internet, no nothing. But the people outside thought that they were being invaded by aliens. You remember that scenario, that hypothetical scenario I was talking about? The highest percentage in a state 
where all 77 counties went for Trump. What do you think about the vaccine? Are you going to take the vaccine? No, sir. Tell me why. Well, I don't trust the government and I don't trust Biden. Chad and Misty Hughes are husband and wife. Neither of them plan to get the vaccine. Just don't want to. Well, why don't you want to? If you don't mind me asking. Because when I take the flu shot, I usually get the flu, so there's no reason to take it. Are you saying you think you'll get COVID by taking the COVID vaccine? Probably. Are you, why are you thinking that? The research doesn't show that at all. It shows that it keeps people safe. That's just my choice. These women are sisters, and they, too, are doubters. Why are you doubtful? They just started rolling them out. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, this has been a worldwide effort okay, by great doctors. claim that the flu can be cured, but still hundreds of thousands of people die from the flu. Well, well yes, a lot of people die from the flu, but not nearly as much as COVID. This is a horrible pandemic, and this is like an amazing vaccine. These vaccines have come out. They're saving lives. <laughs> I believe it. No. I will just di- agree to disagree on this subject, I guess. I just, I'm just not. I'm just not going to take it. What if President Trump came out and was very robust and said, take the vaccine? I took it, even though I didn't tell anybody about it. It was kind of done secretly, but I think you should take it. He said it a little bit, but he hasn't been robust about it. If he was robust and said, take it, would you? No. Trump's a liberal New Yorker. Why would we listen to him either? Did you vote for him? (laughs) He was the best option. No matter where we went, enthusiasm for the vaccine wasn't easy to find. No matter where they went. You know, I'm just saying, man, why do they have to keep reminding us that there's a pandemic? Right? If there was a pandemic, everyone would be dying. No one would need to remind you. And if it was so safe and so good, then people would be flocking. Why are they shoving it down our throat? Why are they so insistent? I mean, if your product's so good, you don't even need advertising. That's word of mouth. People are like, yo, you need to take this stuff. It's like the best. That's how crack worked. That's how cocaine works. Snort a few lines and it's super good. You know, and you feel like you're on top of the world. Suddenly everyone's snorting coke when they had never seen it before. I'm just saying, like, they have to remind us that people are dying. Look, they're all dying. And it's like, sure. But, you know, heart disease, deaths down. Cancer down. Flu, super down. I mean, everything's just COVID now. People aren't stupid. People are not stupid. And they, they, they actually tried to say, look, it's because people are Trump derangement. That's why they're not taking it. Totally love that answer. Even if he came out and said, take it, I still wouldn't take it. Because if you are, if you do have, you know, Trump God syndrome, that's wrong. You do realize that he's a leader. And that's it. I mean, I say it all the time. I've got priests. My church's priest. I wrote them a letter and said he just took on fetal tissues in his body and he promoted it. That is blasphemy. That is against our religion. What are you doing? This is disgusting. He I demand that he address the congregation. No one's responded because he's probably going with the metropolis saying, holy crap, she's going to shit stir now. Yeah, I am. How dare you sit there and promote it? You could do what you want. Your body, your choice, right? So it doesn't work the other way. Telling people about the vaccine. This is disgusting. They're pushing it. You have to pay attention. If it was so good for you, no one would have to shove it down your throat. No one would be giving away free stuff. Hey, if you get it, we'll give you free stuff. Just show us your ID. That's to make it comfortable for people to show their health information. Don't you get it? That is the whole thing. Let me show you how priming works, okay? So 
One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, a movie called Time Travel. It's from 2012. I can watch, that is the only film I can watch again and again and again and not be, um, not be tired of it. So this is where we're going to, um, we, another one that I liked watching that caused me a lot of concern was Dexter. And yesterday, some guy found that scene from Dexter. I'm going to play it for you guys where Evergreen had some stuff. And some of you remembered a very, very long time ago when I said why I had squared off with John Brennan and them. Take a listen. On here, something that lives in the deepest, darkest hole of the thing called Dexter. That's coincidence too. I'm just saying. Everything is just a coincidence. Wait, let me show you another coincidence. My favorite movie. Because this is where it comes into the movie we saw. This is one of one of the most um, fascinating scenes for me. That was... Take a listen. This is where he gets out of his time machine... And he's in the future. Right? You are subject to arrest on the martial law. Please put your hands out, sir. Palms together. You will be held in detention until your evacuation center clears you for transport. Take it easy. Take it easy. Hey, we gotta get out of here. Wait. What? How did this happen? The moon. Come on. Move it. Oh, look at that. The moon exploded. Well, you've been living under a rock? Yes, I've been living under a rock. Now, now tell me. The demolitions for the lunar colony screwed up the orbit, okay? The moon's breaking up, all right? Come on. Oh, okay. So the demolition for the uh, the lunar uh, colonies uh, broke up um, the moon. Wait. Now I want you to see a trailer for a new movie coming out in 2021. <laughs> so interesting. Humans versus aliens. Here we go. It's 20 years since the moon was hit. Electricity for only an hour a day, barely any food, and all you care about is cosmic. Unregistered teleportation. His power is unbelievable beyond anything I have seen. All we have is now. I like you. I paid for this. Stepping in here makes everyone nervous. You're not. The game is more dangerous than it may seem. All the hardships Earth faced are a result of the war with Cherno. We're about to go play football with what's essentially a nuclear bomb. And everyone else thinks this is just a game. Is that right? Pretty much it, yes. It's easier to risk your life when you know you're supported by millions. Even if they don't know the truth or understand this.
were young earthlings with incredible powers. You show there is something to be inspired by. Here we go! Well, look at that. Look at that. So that is how all of this comes in. So um, hmm. So yesterday's uh, movie showed a documentary that was um, published in 2020. It was filmed in 2017 and 2018 and 2019. Uh, I wanted you guys to now think of it differently. I wanted you, um, I wanted you to listen to this. Um, this this is kind of awesome. Just take a listen. Michael is the name of the archangel, the leader of the heavenly militia, and the command of God's army. He and his celestial soldiers clash against the evil. Michael is generally depicted as an angelic figure, using the sword and the armor, with the devil's image under him. There are other important archangels like Raphael and Gabriel, but none of them receives as much devotion as Archangel Michael. He is accountable for warding off countless attempts that tried to keep mankind off the path of goodness. So, uh, let me stop right there. So, Archangel Michael is responsible for keeping humans on track of being kind and loving. So he intervenes to guide humans correctly, right? That's, that's his job, to put them on the right path again. Another role of the archangel is to lead the soul of the good to heaven, right after their judgment. Michael also connects men and God. He is responsible for taking the prayers of the faithful to God. But Michael's main role is at the command of his army of angels. The Bible tells that Michael opposed the strengths of Satan a few times, and in all these, Michael had always been and remained victorious. The commander of the angels fought against evil when the dragon-shaped devil, along with their evil angels, tried to conquer heaven. But Satan and his allies were expelled by the angelic forces led by Michael the archangel, and they were shoved towards the earth. These fallen angels had to shelter themselves in hell. They were no match for the forces of good, led by the outstanding angelic warrior. The Archangel Michael is acknowledged by Christian, Hebrew, and Muslim faiths alike, but Catholics are the ones who give him the highest honors. Michael is considered the defender of the church, and his faithful is known as Saint Michael the Archangel among the most faithful. September 29 is dedicated to celebrating the three main archangels, Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. Nowadays, the archangel is still very sought by those seeking protection from evil. So Archangel Michael intervenes with his army of angels uh, on earth to help humans because the fallen angels were cast down to earth when they tried to disrupt the order of the heavens, not heaven itself, the heavens. Those are the real words in the books and in the writings, the heavens. So uh, they were cast down there, imprisoned on earth. Metatron is an angelic figure in Jewish tradition. Depending on the angelology, it is considered as part of the seraphim, figures that are at the top of the celestial hierarchy 
and therefore closer to God. There is no consensus regarding the meaning of his name. The absence of the suffix L in his name, as in Raphael and Gabriel, is something unique. As seraph, Petatron is often represented with three pairs of wings. He is the prince of the seraphim, and therefore the rest respect his authority. He is also sometimes considered the most powerful of all archangels. Metatron is the only heavenly figure with access to stand by the Creator and is considered the spokesman for God. He is the Let me tell you what the word Metatron means. After the throne. That's what it means. After the throne. So in other words, the one that guards the throne. Um, so that's basically what Metatron is the actual word is translated to after the throne meta after tron thronos meta tron after the throne which means i flank the throne i am like i guard the throne so i just wanted to kind of give you some meaning to the word so you understand it because it sounds really different than the other words the most powerful of all angels even stronger than michael the warrior angel who defeated Lucifer and his hosts when they tried to revolt against the Creator. One of Metatron's missions is to be the intermediary between God and men. He also commands all other heavenly beings. Metatron was the coordinator and supervisor of activities among the remaining angels and archangels. Although he is the only one with unrestricted access to the Creator's throne, he does not take the supplications and requests of the faithful to God. The most famous reference to Metatron is in the Talmud, a set of texts and sacred books in Rabbinic Judaism. When Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya got permission to enter heaven and found the Metatron's glow, he thought there were two authorities in heaven, God and Metatron. Metatron was struck 60 times by a flaming baton to show that, despite his noble position, he was below the Creator. The heavenly figure is also referred to in the Book of Enoch. According to some interpretations, Enoch, the father of Methuselah, became the famous angel the closest to the Lord. Metatron is sometimes known as the angel of life and death for his great influence on the tree of life of the Jewish Cabal. The name Metatron is not expressly written in the Bible, but according to some traditions, Metatron is the angel who fights with Jacob, wanting to be blessed before his reunion with his brother Esau. It is also mentioned that the greatest of all angels were charged with punishing the Egyptians by imposing on them the famous ten plagues described in the book of Exodus. Fans of Hebrew mysticism used the Metatron cube, a sacred geometric structure composed of 13 circles, as a tool of protection and also to understand reality. Although he is not an angelic figure as acknowledged as the three great archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, Metatron plays an important role alongside the throne of the Lord as his divine scribe, recording all the deeds and sins of men. Being the most powerful heavenly figure below only God, Metatron is one of the most respected angels by angelology fans. Okay, so what we are seeing here, this um, mythology channel is pretty much putting out the hierarchy of heavenly beings. Heavenly beings are what? Light, spirit, 
aliens? Who knows? Because think of it this way. What if uh, suddenly today, let's hypothetically put it this way, right? All of us, you and I, right? <laughs> we're, we're like in charge of keeping harmony, right? We govern our domain, right? But in our domain, we suddenly find this, you know, island that just popped up, maybe a continent, whatever, right? A new continent. We just find it. It just emerges. And there's like other beings on there that maybe look like us. And, you know, they're doing their own thing. So the question is, do we go in there and take over? Or do we respect the fact that God created those beings that came out of nowhere along with that piece of land and just watch them and make sure that, you know, um, they don't, you know, blow themselves up because it can cause us harm too. Um, make sure that, you know, they're on track. But then what if you realize that those people that sprung up there were actually controlled by, you know, some really, really bad habitants of somewhere else that went there and they kept them enslaved. Maybe they kept them asleep and were sucking their life juice. I'm just, this is, this is all hypothetical. I'm just trying to give you some context. Okay. So what if, you know, you realize that all those new beings on that new continent are actually prisoners and you sit down and say, listen, man, you know, they're just like us. They've, they've got free will and they can decide. And, um, you know, they'll be released from those binds because they're, they were created by that seed, you know, that's, that's their children, you know, the seed, the, their physical confines right? Their physical being, their bodies are of that seed. We shouldn't interfere, but we will watch and we will make sure that if they use their free will correctly, that we will take them because they have chosen us and not them. They have chosen good and not evil. They have chosen to go back to their core and release themselves from that, from those clothes, those skins, that are their prison is just, you know, just to give some context. So, and then there's hierarchy, obviously in our group, right? Where we're watching them, there's going to be the person that's flanking the president of our world. Right. And, um, that created everything that allows everything to create. And then there's other, uh, you know, generals that will, oversee things and they'll intervene when they're allowed to intervene. Raphael is one of the most important angels in Judeo-Christian culture. His name means God heals or God's cure. Therefore, he is regarded as the angel who carries God's healing powers. The Archangel Raphael is the addressee of many prayers of those who wanted to be cured from the most different diseases. Among the three main archangels of Catholic tradition, Saint Raphael the Archangel is one with the most subtle presence in the Bible. His main biblical appearance is found in Book of Tobit, part of the Old Testament. In it, the Archangel descended to earth in order to follow Tobit during his journey, who was a God-fearing youngster, someone who loved God above all things. The angel assumed the human form and guided Tobit to his destination. In the middle of their journey, when Tobit and Raphael were on the banks of the Tigris, 
Tobias was attacked by a large fish that attempted to devour him. But Raphael encouraged him to fight the fish and drag it out of the water. Tobit managed to defeat the fish, and the Lord's angel asked him to keep the fish's heart and liver, as these items would be a healing instrument of the Lord. He would also have to keep the fish's call. The angel guided Tobit to his destination, where the latter was offered Sarah's hand. Although a beautiful young woman, she was possessed by demons. Sarah had already been married seven times, and in all of them, their husbands died before marriage. Tobit feared to be another victim of that curse, but Raphael assured him that God was at his side. The angel instructed him how to proceed in order to protect himself from the demons. In this ritual, under Raphael's guidance, Tobit used the heart and liver of the great fish. With that, the demons were exorcised, and Tobit and Sarah managed to consummate their union. The Lord's angel protected Tobit on his return home, and when he found his father, who was blind, Tobit made use of the fish's call to promote a true miracle, following Raphael's guidance. After putting the gall on his father's eyes, his vision was restored. Due to this biblical passage, those who believe in the angelic figures also believe that the presence of the archangel Raphael helps in the healing of physical malaise, akin to the healing process of Tobias's father's blindness while also assisting in the healing of psychic and spiritual illnesses like with Sarah. The angel Raphael is also found in the Islamic culture as Israfil. According to Islamic tradition, this angel carries a trumpet that announces the coming of the Last Judgment. Catholics consecrated October the 24th as the Feast of Saint Raphael the Archangel, the bearer of the Lord's healing. And, on September 29th, ceremonies are held in honor of the three great archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael. Uriel is a famous archangel in the rabbinical tradition and some Christian currents. He is not as well known as Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, but he is one of the most studied angels in angelology. His name means, God is my light. In the arts, the archangel is portrayed holding a book or a scroll in one hand and with the solar orb in the other. Uriel's name is not written in the Bible, but is quoted with some frequency in the apocryphal books. He supposedly made some famous appearances in Jewish and Christian sacred texts, even without having his name expressly mentioned. Uriel was present in the Garden of Eden, where he protected the entrance to the garden with his flaming sword. The Archangel also participated in the burial of Adam and Eve, the first human couple created by God. According to the Book of Enoch, the angel appeared before Noah and warned about the future flood. In the Book of Exodus, Uriel was present when the most terrible plague struck Egypt. The heavenly figure visited all the houses to find out which doors were painted with the blood of a lamb as God commanded. This plague put an end to the life of the firstborn sons of those who did not follow the guidelines, including the son of the mighty Pharaoh. According to the apocryphal Gospels, Uriel helped in the protection of John the Baptist when he was still a baby, before the order of King Herod, who demanded the extermination of all the children who were born at that time. Several currents of Christianity revered the figure of Uriel. 
In the year 745, the Catholic Church tried, however, to stop the growing devotion to the angelic figures. Only the three great archangels, Raphael, Michael, and Gabriel, could be revered. In the Anglican Church of England, Uriel was raised to the status of a saint. According to some traditions, the archangel Uriel is the ruler of the sun. Sometimes he is known as the flame of God. The archangel is also known as the archangel of wisdom. His followers believe that the angel can help men find the wisdom to solve their problems and achieve their goals. All of this makes the angel Uriel one of the most important angelic figures for those who believe in the powerful influence of these celestial beings. So it's quite interesting how each one of those um, leaders that come in have different things. Uriel is always implied but never named as the one that oversees actions, the one that sees, have they taken the choice, the one that torches everything right? He, he guides by fire. He's like, it's an either or, and he tries to spark a light and, 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 and a burning desire within humankind to learn, to garner knowledge because they themselves can release themselves. And he was in the garden of Eden when, um, Eve took the serpent seed. Remember she had she bore two children. That means twins, right? Duplicity right there again. The Archangel Gabriel is known as the Lord's messenger. The name Gabriel means man of God or emissary of God. The angel Gabriel is certainly one of the most well-known angelic figures, along with the archangels Raphael and Michael and the fallen angel Lucifer. His most noteworthy appearance clearly took place when he announced the birth of the Son of God. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Galilee to conduct the noblest mission of all. He would announce to the Virgin Mary that she would receive the grace of conceiving the Highness's son. At first, Mary felt frightened, but the archangel reassured her and revealed God's will. This unborn baby would soon be named Jesus. Even though this is the most renowned biblical episode in which Gabriel is present, there are other moments where the angel of Annunciation showed his character. The angel appeared before the prophet Daniel to announce the Messiah's coming. Likewise, he also stood before Zechariah the priest, announcing the arrival of his son John the Baptist. Zechariah doubted Gabriel, and so he remained speechless until the birth of his son. According to the biblical texts, the archangel Gabriel affirms that he is always in God's presence and that he serves him to announce the good news. For this reason, those who believe in these heavenly figures and are devoted to them pray to and ask the angel to disclose the good news and God's promises for their lives. The angel Gabriel, in some Christian doctrines, is regarded as the personification of the Holy Spirit. The Archangel Gabriel is the patron of several professions, most of which related to messengers and alike, such as postmen, diplomats, and communication professionals. But Angel Gabriel's influence extends itself beyond Christianity. According to the Islamic faith, the Angel Gabriel had a crucial role in the history of Islam. When Muhammad was praying on a hill in Mecca, Gabriel appeared before him, disclosing the Quran. This is the Muslim sacred book and has Allah's literal word. After Gabriel's revelation, Muhammad began his work of spreading God's work. 
due to his major contribution, Gabriel, the Angel of the Annunciation, is a revered figure in the Judeo-Christian culture and also in the Islamic world. So now think of it this way, right? Throughout time, uh, angels that come down and help people are seen to have wings, right? In any religion, they fly, right? They fly. So they visit from the sky. They come down either on wings or ships. I mean, imagine back then when they couldn't conceive the idea of a bus with wings like airplanes or a shuttle, right? How they would see someone flying around in the sky and then landing to say, hey, what's up, right? Think about it. Or the darkness when, you know, Jesus was crucified, how there was this um, big thing that came right over the mountain and blocked out the light. It was just a big object that just hung out, just really massive and just hung out. It's, it's really important that you take a step back and look at the scriptures and see what it is. You know, you have to think to yourself always, let's pretend, let's hypothetically pretend, okay, that indeed uh, angels are just other civilizations that are of the same creator, of course, because that's how awesome he is, that watch. And they know that you are from the seed of the serpent. Therefore, you are bound in that construct by birth. What the church and all religions teach is the primordial sin, right? right? So they come. So we have one of communications, one of action, one of wisdom and light, right? So they come down and they, uh, you know, kind of try to steer people in the right way. So much so that Uriel appealed to the creator and said, you need to send one of your own, send your son, bring your son down and, and guide them. And this is consistent in all religion, Judaism, Islam, you know, obviously don't forget that most of these people that wrote the text were merely just human. They were just human. So if you think of it in that sense of they were just human and indeed things could be different, then maybe you'll see something like this and wonder, wait a minute, are they all bad? Are they demons like they tell us? Why are they shutting it all out? Can every single creation that God has created be so evil? I'm just- I got a military official who ran the covert government program up until this last November. Luis Elizondo. Luis, thank you so much for your time tonight. I mean, first, tell us what the purpose of the program was and why it was so secretive. Sure. Um, the purpose of the program, uh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, was really designed to do just that. Um, from a national security perspective, identify those things that we see, whether uh, we see them electro-optically, we see them with radar, we see them uh, as, uh, as eyewitness reports um, through a myriad of different ways and avenues that we receive the information and try to ascertain and determine if that information is a potential threat to national security in a nutshell. So what did you find? Well, we found a lot. Um, I think... Uh, I think it's probably been a little bit mischaracterized in some of the, the, the social media you see and, and, and what people put out because 
a lot of times when we don't have a lot of information, we tend to fill in those gaps with what we think is logical. Uh, and there's still, by the way, a lot we really don't know. Um, I think what's important is that we have identified some very, very interesting anomalous um, type of aircraft. Let's call them aircraft. Things that don't have um, <coughs> any obvious flight surfaces, any obvious forms of propulsion, and maneuvering in ways um, that include extreme maneuverability beyond, uh, I would submit, the healthy G-forces of, uh, of a human or anything biological. Uh, hypersonic velocities, low observability, um, positive lift, again, seemingly in, in defying the laws of aerodynamics. So um, people so do are you talking. Think, I mean, I, you know, I know, but do you believe, you know, when, when you get that Navy pilot saying what he said, do you think that that was, um, you know, a UFO to obviously I don't have any other word to use or that well, or something else? Sure. That's a great question. Keeping in mind, it's not just the, the pilot's testimony on an observation. Sure. When, when someone comes to you who's in charge of a multi-million dollar weapon platform, who maintains a top secret security clearance, who is paid and trusted by this country to go fight wars and, and to fly over cities with, with live munitions. Um, and by the way, they're trained observers with millions of dollars invested in their training. Yep. I would submit to you it's pretty compelling. But on top of that, it's not just the eyewitness testimony. It is, it is actual electro-optical data and radar returns. It's also people like uh, radar operators and air traffic controllers. So I think the discussion is, should be maybe a little bit broader than that. I think people are focusing just on two videos uh, coming from a set of F-18s when, when really it's, it's, it's a lot, lot more than that. So, so, you know, recently, I guess it was in October, astronomers spotted uh, what they, they say could be the first interstellar ast asteroid. Um, you see it there, kind of that strange shape um, from the, dust the solar bunnies. system. What do you see when you look at that? Well, you know, Ms. Burnett, I, I have to admit to you, when, when I ran this program, I was fundamentally looking at my colleagues looking at two things. Yeah. What is it and how does it work? Um, we have deliberately stayed away from going down the rabbit hole of who's behind the wheel and what are their intentions. Yeah. Because that, a lot of people have a lot of feelings towards that and, and are very emotional about that. And what I wanted to do is to allow the data to speak for itself and then use that data to inform leadership, senior DOD leadership, about the potential threat that, that these type of, of technologies pose to national security, especially over any type of controlled airspace that we might have. Um, so I'm not trying to be evasive, uh, in any way or vague with your, with your answer, but yeah. well, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Look, and I know you think it's important. I know you think that the government didn't take the threat seriously enough. So, so let me just ask you point blank the question. Do you believe that, that life from somewhere else while you ran this program came here, visited, observed? I will tell you unequivocally that, that through the observation, scientific methodologies that were applied to, to look at this phenomena that these aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory nor in any foreign inventory that, that we are aware of. So I know you're using, uh, you're being clear, but I mean, the answer is yes. Um, my personal, I can't speak on behalf of the government. Obviously, I'm, I'm not in the U.S. government anymore. My personal belief is that uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone, whatever that means that we may not be alone, whatever that means. So there, there are a lot of people that have been so um, 
deep into reading into scriptures of what they're told that they seem to miss out the understanding that thousands of years ago, hundreds even a year, years ago, hundreds, things that were there could have been described as something else because that's just how their minds were able to think. And that's what is insane. I mean, if you look at the tragedies written in ancient Greece, uh, you know, like the tragedies of, um, oh my gosh, um, Antigone, right? There's a part that's called the chorus in all of them. And in the chorus, when chaos happened, they would sing, right? The chorus would come out and it would be the song part. And they would always say that chaos would ensue when the, and this is direct translation from the word apomichanis theos, which means of machine God. So when they would come down, chaos would ensue. This is from ancient Greece. And I remember when I would read the tragedies or ancient, you know, drama, I would be like, what the heck? Does nobody say, oh yeah, you know, that's just them saying that it's like a manufactured. No, man, it clearly says from machine God. It literally says it, that they come down from the heavens in a machine and it whirls and it causes chaos when they come down. It's like, okay, hello. It's like seriously like this. So you have to remember that the people that wrote all the writings from the Torah, Talmud, uh, the Quran, the Bibles, all versions, right? We're all human. And they all had specific eyes and knowledge to be able to write it, right? If you were to describe something that you can't fathom, right? You would describe it in a, in a way that, you know, would seem comical when it comes to fruition. I mean, could you imagine someone trying to describe an iPhone 200 years ago or a thousand years ago? How would they describe an iPhone? It was a, a device that was a square and it was so sleek like the side of a whale, you know, that just breached the water that had the whole world inside of it that you would touch and it would manifest all these things and you could see yourself in it and others. You would think it's some holy relic, right? When it's a damn iPhone. Perspective, right, is to understand that. Now we see the apple, Adam and Eve, and it's like, all right, so they ate from a tree they're not supposed to. Stop. Stop one second. Tree of life. Okay. Do you guys, let's get technical. For all you dudes out there, inside your, you know, your seed sacks, you have these cells. They all look like little clumps of grapes and trees. I'm just saying. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty weird if you look at it. I'm just saying. So tree of knowledge, tree of this, tree of that, and then they eat an apple. Is it really an apple? Could it be the seed? People don't like to hear that. People don't like to hear that. Actually, there was this guy online, a professor um, that talks about it. I'm trying to find his, um, oh yeah, he, there it is. Cain's kingdom. Okay. So I think I found him. So he is a professor, Dr. Gene Kim, and he breaks down the foundations of Satan, the seed. He's a scientist. Um, he teaches things. Hold on. Let me just see when he gets to, I need to find that specific. Video. I would like to ask you on, let me, give me a second. 
because you should um it is so interesting the way he put it out um that i was just like he's chinese by the way and it's kind of wow um let me see if i can search his um his thing okay i think this is it now hold on let me just see that it's it with the whiteboard it's not. He puts it out with the whiteboard and he talks, you know, science while he's doing it. Let's see. Is this it? Let me take a look. Because this is so good the way he... No, nope, this isn't it either. Gosh darn it. He's got so many. Um, maybe this is it. <laughs> I'm just like still looking. Nope, that's not it either. Sorry, guys. Bear with me. Um, he talks about everything from hybrids to mermaids to satires. Um, uh, you know, he's a Baptist. Um, okay, is this the one? The He talks about the history of Assyria, Nephilim extinctions. Like, he talks about everything. Um, really trying to find... Um, there was this uh, video that he did, and I saw it a while back. Gosh. Are you kidding? It's like the hardest thing to find now, where he talks about the seed and he breaks it down. So basically what he said was that the seed was the snake convincing, you know, Eve to mate. And that, you know, the snake is just, you know, that fallen angel. And she bore two sons, but it doesn't say when she had them, which could be, you know, he said it could be, it was a twin birth. He's like, that's what it sounds like. And it sounds like it could be two seeds because that's actually doable, right? In, in life, there are people that have children that are twins that could be from a different father. And so he was like, so that's plausible too. And then there were two sons and one of them killed the other. And I remember when I was in uh, Jerusalem um, the second time that I was speaking uh, to uh, some spiritual fathers. They were, you know, rabbis and Orthodox and Catholics because, you know, I had the privilege of being able to sit down with all these people. Right. Um, because of I've, I've said this and I've not, you know, deterred from saying it. I, I have a family that's well embedded within the church. They have high positions within the church. And I'm the one that always pushes back, too, right? I always wanted to be a nun. So I'm, I was always very um, into it. Well, I had asked them uh, about, you know, the original sin. And I said, so you're saying that because our past it's ingrained in our DNA that we have sinned. And I was like, well, that sounds physical. It's not spiritual because just because your physical is linked to that doesn't mean that your spiritual is. And they were like, yeah, that's it. And I was like, so why don't you tell people that what Eve did was mate? And that's why it's in our DNA. It's not their actions. Well, you know, choice. People can't handle the fact that they know that they're Satan's seed or evil seed. And I'm like, so it's physical. It doesn't mean anything of what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside that counts. The spiritual portion of it, right? It doesn't matter if you are bound to this earth in these constructs 
from not being able to live 900 years like other people have in the past, according to the scriptures, and now only having so many, so much control. I'm just saying, if they're saying that, um, if they're saying that it's in our DNA and that we have this original sin, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? And it makes it in, in, you know, I, I, when I sat there, I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, you know, his kid and, you know, the, the rabbi, the Jewish rabbi, right? The rabbi just looked at me and he was like, my dear C, why? And I said, no, I mean, that gives you a little bit more empowerment. You always not want to be like, you know, you don't want to be that. And, you know, it made me feel yucky and dirty, but it's like, oh, wait, but if you have light within, you can break that skin free, you know, like shed that. Um, and this is possibly why humans are so bound to um, this construct. And it was a discussion that was very troubling for me and kind of like them telling me now, you see, you know, we have to give optimism and you can't be optimistic of something you don't even know exists. Um, you can't be optimistic on one side. You have to take it as it is. If they're telling you that it's within your DNA, that you're, it's their fault. So you carry that sin. How do you carry that sin? Think about it. How do you carry the sin? Oh, your DNA. Remember, they were able to trace back every single human being to one woman called Eve in Africa, right? One woman. Your mitochondrial DNA is the DNA you get from your mother. One woman. Remember, I told you, you have mitochondrial DNA and regular DNA, right? And all your DNA is not from both your parents. Inside of you lies mitochondrial DNA and regular DNA. Your regular DNA has both your mother's and your father's. Your mitochondrial is only your mother's. Huh. So all of us have mitochondrial DNA that derive from Eve. And then in the residual of the other phenotypic, like your physical, right? Your body, your hair, your eye color and everything come from your father and mother. So in essence, when Eve gave birth to her son, that may have the seed of the serpent. He only had her mitochondrial DNA, but all the other DNA was from both of them. Does that make sense? So women have mitochondrial DNA. They are the only ones that can give it to their children. Mitochondrial DNA cannot be transferred from a male to a fetus right? It's only the female mom only mom only. So I want you to understand women that carry children transfer mitochondrial DNA to the children. The father does not. In fact, for the sperm, while it gets to the, um, you know, egg and to get in, it actually sheds it's mitochondrial tail that propels it. So again, I've been circling around. Hey, there's two separate things. There's mitochondrial DNA, human DNA. And I've, and I've also told you guys in the past, I actually went to the Mitochondrial Institute in Ohio back in the day to study the effects of the mitochondria, which, you know, if you have any mutation in your mitochondrial DNA, you're screwed. 
And did you know that mitochondrial DNA is circular DNA? It's one of the most simplest one. It is identical to that of bacteria. It is the most incredible um, organelle we have because it is a bacteria and it's symbiotic with eukaryotic cells. That doesn't happen. A bacterial cell being the fuel your back, your, your, your cells, every single cell you have has mitochondria. In it. That's the battery of your body. That is what makes it go. That is what gives it life. If your mitochondria dies, guess what? You're not doing shit. You're dead. Myasthenia gravis. Do you know where that comes from? That's where people can't move their muscles, right? They can't move. Why? Because they have some defect of not having enough mitochondria in their muscle cells to fuel it. So again, when you listen to, you know, your preachers, when you read your scriptures, whatever religious you may be, whatever religion you may be, when it goes back to Adam and Eve, think of it from a macro perspective. Don't listen to what they're telling you to think. Look at the words. The words tell you everything you need to know. So if we were born of Adam and Eve that were created in his image, and then Eve took the seed of the serpent, and then Eve took the seed of Adam too, and then had two sons, right? Both those sons had the mitochondrial DNA of only Eve. Each of those sons had the regular, let's just call it mainstream DNA, of both the serpent and Eve and Adam and Eve. You see? These are simply things. Think for yourself. The words are words. It's like the damn cue drops. They're words. You don't need anyone to find you codes of what it really means. They're just words. And again, look at it that way. She had two sons, but they don't tell you when she bore them. So you have to assume that they're twins, duplicity again. And you are duplicit. You are duplicit. Remember that the, the only portion of your body that has remained consistent and can be followed back to the first woman, it can be followed back to the first woman. There's research. You can, you can find it yourself. There's only 23 um, variations on the planet. So basically 23 tribes all together. And they all stem from 13 tribes. And that's the crazy thing because then there's, you know, obviously um, different uh, appearances. This is the simplicity of, of, of understanding the tools you have without, you know, noise. Wait a minute. I have mitochondrial DNA, which is circular, and then I have regular DNA. The mitochondrial DNA is the DNA of a mitochondria. My whole body is riddled with mitochondria, from my brain to my heart cells, to my liver, to my muscles, to my bones. They all need batteries. Those are batteries. So those batteries are inherent to your mom and her mom and the mom before that and the mom before that coming from the first ever known woman. You can find it. It is not you know, some hypothetical, oh, I'm just saying things you can find. This is science. All right. This is why I say true scientists can see that God is awesome. So there's that. And then you have your regular DNA, which is from your uh, father and your mother, which de determines how you look, how you walk, how you talk. But the sauce of how you operate is your mitochondrial DNA. Some people just have great metabolisms. Other people can smoke for a thousand years and not get sick. Other people can live to a hundred. Other people can live to this. It's their mitochondria that fuels it. It's their mitochondrial 
um, you know, DNA that reinforces it. And remember how I always say, eat cuties when you're sick. I saw someone saying, oh, my husband feels really sick. I'm going to just, just eat a bag of cuties. Like I prescribe that <laughs> to all my, all my family and friends. If you're feeling like crap, take a bag of cuties and eat it. Why? It has studies have shown that the way the fiber is in tangerines and mandarins and clementines, they actually are highly potent in their deliverance of vitamin C, which is imperative for mitochondrial turgidity, meaning that they're turgid, meaning that they're stiff, meaning that they're really strong and going. You hear about radical oxygen species, right? Or, or antioxidants. That's because it's the radical oxygen species, the ROS, that cause disruption in your mitochondria, hence why they're so important. And in cancer, there's malfunctions of mitochondria, and therefore, this is why you get cancer. I mean, these aren't, you know, ideas, right? These aren't ideas, right? The, you can look it up. They're called haplogroups. Haplogroups. Actually, hold on. For those of you on video, I can... Um, because that was that was actually my um my research. Okay, let me share this page with you guys so I can walk you through it. Human mitochondrial DNA haplogroup. So mitochondrial Eve is um right here. Hold on. Let me zoom in for you guys. So um mitochondrial, okay, so there's mutation, mitochondrial Eve. Do you see where they came from? Kind of looks like the tip of that really good map that, that um, you know, Japan gave us. So mitochondrial leave, these are all the changes over time. These are the haplogroups. That's it. There you go. So it tells you time of origin in years. <laughs> so where they are, Africa, 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 Africa. Near East is the J1, Central Asia, North America. This one, actually, the 13th group, which is usually the X group in North America right here, um, they don't know where the Xs came from, and they're the Native American tribes. Um, and this is why I find that um, anyone within the X group is more highly trafficked than people that derive from other ones. Uh, the most um, Im impervious to disease are those that have L through L6. This is, this is research, right? This is research that these are most impervious to disease, anyone that's L1 through 6. And this is why, um, uh, you know, it's it's really important for people to, to understand science. So they, um, here's where they have that. Let's see. Let me see if I can get you to the Eve. Um, oh, they have the molecular clock too, mitochondrial. The human mitochondrial molecular clock is the rate at which mutations have been accumulating in the mitochondrial genome. So how quickly it has devolved or evolved, right? So there have been many studies. This is, this is like um, information that don't look at that DNA encoding through RDNA, tRNA. This is how um, things can be changed uh, within that. It's very specific. They know exactly what they're doing. So um, let me go back to uh, the mitochondrial Eve here. In human genetics, the mitochondrial Eve is the matrilineal most recent common ancestor of all living 
humans. In other words, she is defined as the most recent women from whom all living humans descend in an unbroken line purely through their mothers and through their mother's mothers back until all lines converge until one woman. I've said this so many times before. It doesn't matter. I know it sucks, men. I know it sucks, right? It totally sucks. <laughs> but your mitochondrial DNA doesn't, it's not in your kid. It's only the wife's. Sorry, man. I'm so sorry. So, and, and that's because women bear the children. Therefore, the batteries the woman has are immediately transferred to the child. And unfortunately, in order to have your seed part of that child, um, it is only for phenotypical reasons and, um, you know, other DNA uh, activities as to not only phenotypic, but physical qualities too. Um, the mitochondria, um, it does play a very big role, uh, in, uh, disease, uh, but it's very rare. There aren't that many mitochondrial diseases because they just now figured out how to do it. Um, not necessary. Okay. So popular perception. Great. Let's go there. Female and mitochondrial ancestry. It shows that it goes from women. So that's the mtDNA Eve and how it's split. Um, and how it's changed. So there's two cohorts. She had two children. I'm just pointing it out. Um, so if you look at the books, you have to remember how would it be someone back in the day explaining this stuff to me today? And think of the example of the iPhone. How would you describe it? Right? How would you describe an iWatch? That's even crazier, right? Oh, you can listen to melodies coming from your wrist. And speaking to people thousands of miles away. I mean, it'll sound something crazy, right? So, listen to this. This is where it's, ooh. One common misconception surrounding mitochondrial Eve is that since all women alive today descended in a direct, unbroken female line from her, she must have been the only woman alive at that time. However, nuclear DNA studies indicate that the effective population side of ancient human never dropped below tens of thousands. Other women living during Eve's time may have descendants alive today, but not in direct female line. Huh? Are you saying that God put more women in his image somewhere else? That there are some people that have distinct mitochondrial DNA that doesn't agree with the Eve theory? You mean that there are other species of human that do not derive from Eve? Sometimes mitochondrial Eve is assumed to have lived at the same time as Y chromosomal Adam from who all living males are descended patrilineally. I mean, I don't know how that I mean, that's been so diffuse because it's just regular DNA. Like mitochondrial Eve, Y chromosomal Adam probably lived in Africa. A recent study in 2013 concluded, however, that Eve lived mu much later than Adam, some 140,000 years later. Earlier studies considered, conversely, that Eve lived earlier than Adam. That's so bizarre. I mean, that would make sense because, um, you know, 
nobody knows when they appeared, but they do know what the science is. And the science says Adam was there longer. And then they say Eve's seed was there later. I mean, who knows? We don't know. But the one thing we do know is that these are all the tribes. So basically it's one, two, three, right? Well, it's one, all of these. This one gave birth to these, right? And then it gave birth to all of these. What's this R thing that has so many factions? Could this be the new genetically modified ones? The ones that change? Who knows? Which is which? But these are the tribes that exist. These are the tribes that exist, the hapro, haplo groups, as they call it. So, you know, science tells you a lot more than you realize. So then if you think in this sense, let's pull up this map. This is pretty interesting. So it shows you the color of where all these tribes derive from. So as you can see, the Asian ones are pretty dominant in N's and A's. Uh, in India, they have R5s, R6s. Uh, you know, over here in the uh, Micronesian, right? No, you don't call it Micronesian. It's a, it's a oh, not Middle East, um, Micro-Asia. Because every in Micronesian means the islands, right? Or the Polynesians are all different too. Australia, totally unique, right? We thought they were all prisoners. We're talking Aborigines, right? Um, look at that, right? That's cray cray. And then we have this, which is pretty much telling you that there's everything in there. <laughs> That's it. Africa is mostly OG. OG. OG mitochondrial DNA, OG. Here's another graph. Let's see if we can make this bigger. No, we can't. Can we zoom in? Yeah, um, not that much, no. Can't. Okay. Let's see. Mitochondrial. Maybe there is a good video for it. Let's see that I can show you. Oh, Ayana's clan. There we go. Let's see what this says. good, but we want someone to explain some stuff. Hold on. I'm going to see which one. Oh, haplogroup X explained. Okay. This well, is good. Haplogroup X is one of the most fascinating ones for me uh, because I noticed it, that it was linked to tribes within the United States um, of most human trafficked persons. And this is why I go back to, if you follow the science, you can follow the, the, the disruption and the evil that occurs and you can realize why. Now, having said that, right? Again, going back to angels, aliens, I want you to take that documentary with a grain of salt, of course. And for those of you that are religious, I want you to think, 
The creator has a Metatron, which means someone after the throne, meaning in front of it, meaning this key protector. And then it has four other archangels that are dispersed in the earth for communications, for actions, for healing, 444. And they hold the winds. And so there's one that is in front of the throne that manages a certain army. Now, all of these have wings and they fly down. Think about it. You have your government that's telling you that you shouldn't know about this and they're all evil and they want you to think that all of them want to come and get you. But why? What if your government has struck a deal with the ones that fell here to earth, as your scriptures say, to keep you bound here? What if you're bound here because of your mitochondrial, not your mitochondrial, but your actual seed DNA, and your mitochondrial DNA is the power of your cell, and you have the spirit, why can't you be released from that prison? I guess it's down to free will. I want you to think of it that way as we look at haplogroup explained. Just, I want you to think of it that way. Okay? I want you to think of it that way. Think, okay. I'm stuck here and I know that life is beautiful later, but why am I stuck here? And how do I get to that? Well, if you serve God, well, what does serving God means? It means serving people because every person is his child. So if you serve people, you break that seed. You see, mm. DNA science can settle once and for all the biological question of who, for example, the Hopewell Mound Builders were. We can use DNA to help us reconstruct the past and the history of different populations because your DNA is passed down from your parents from generation to generation. There are certain types of DNA in particular that are very useful for reconstructing population prehistory. Your mitochondrial DNA is DNA that every person has and you inherit it from your mother. Um, your mother passes it on to her children. Men don't pass it on to their children. And this type of DNA, therefore, gives us a measure of matrilineal relatedness. I collected DNA from and analyzed DNA from a couple of different Hopewell cemetery populations. When we looked at DNA from these two different Hopewell populations, from Illinois and Ohio, we found that there were five primary mitochondrial DNA lineages present. Um, these lineages have become um, designated by letter names in the scientific um, world. And the ones that we see in Native American populations, um, both living today and in these Hopal cemeteries, were the mitochondrial lineages A, B, C, D, and X. And these five lineages are ones that are common today in Native Americans and they were the ones that were present in these ancient Hopewell communities. When we look at the distribution of haplogroup X in the Americas, we see that it's present in about 3% of all Native Americans, but it's more common in some populations, in particular, peoples who live in the upper Great Plains exhibit much higher frequencies of haplogroup X, sometimes up to 25 or 30 or even 50% in some samples that have been studied. DNA science apparently settles the biological questions of who these ancient, advanced Hopewell mound builders were. But where else is this DNA found? And where did it originate? The 
form of haplogroup X that's present in the Americas is known as haplogroup X2A. And this specific type is defined by a number of additional mutations that Native Americans who belong to haplogroup X share. There's a lot about DNA evidence that is a controversy. Haplogroup X is really a fascinating story because the X files of Native American genetics, because it burst on the scene in 1998. Scientists didn't want to believe it, but they found a new haplogroup in addition to A, B, C, D uh, among the uh, Indians of the Great Lakes in particular. And that was haplogroup X. And so immediately the scientists uh, who have a kind of idée fixe, in my opinion, uh, set about trying to find haplogroup X in Mongolia and Siberia, because of course all American Indians, all upstanding American Indians came across the Bering Land Bridge chasing woolly mammoths, right? So uh, they weren't able to find haplogroup X in Siberia. Haplogroup X was a Eurasian type. So then they started talking about, oh, well, maybe they uh, got here by jumping across the ice in a circumpolar fashion. Okay. Well, it kind of rested there for a while. Uh, is it true that uh, all Native Americans came from 10 families that stumbled across the Bering Strait chasing woolly mammoths? Uh, before the last ice age? I don't think mine did. I'm haplogroup X, and on further investigation, I believe I am haplogroup X2A, which is um, found in the Ojibwe populations, and Sioux, and Navajo, and a couple of more that I can't even pronounce, even though I'm from this continent in North America. And um, there are five different haplogroups found in North America, A, B, C, D, and X. Yes, Haplogroup X. What if Haplogroup X did cross over the Atlantic and not through the Bering Strait as otherwise hypothesized? The reason that's hypothesized by some scientists in this world is because there are very few or none traces of an X Haplogroup anywhere along the Asian migration route, which would cover from the uh, Fertile Crescent going through those mountains, excuse me, I don't know all the countries, through India. So what she's saying is, you know, mainstream science says there's no way people had boats from Africa where life first occurred to travel across to America. Don't be dumb. They were chasing woolly mammoths across the thing. Okay, here's here's the episode of um, Dr. Gene Kim. Dude, this will blow your mind. He talks about the Antichrist, and this is where he brings it down. So this is pretty insane. I watched this, and I was like, yo. I didn't agree with everything he said, but I was like, damn. So he's at UC Berkeley, right? Uh, I want you guys to listen to him. Uh, and I want you 
to, I know a lot of you haven't been listening to me for over three years. And the best way to put information is to give little bits so that you can make the connect. You can't learn when someone gives you a spoon and puts it in your mouth. You'll learn how it tastes. You'll swallow it. You'll get it, but it's one ear out the other. Use the six inches between your ears, which means you make the neuronal connections to information. So mitochondrial DNA only from the woman. It's basic science. They pushed really hard to get people with mitochondrial DNA. See, we'll tell you everything. Then we have the focus on telomeres. Now, telomeres dictate how long of uh, a structure your cell can have. So your mitochondria could be good, but if the cell structure has a short life, you will die younger. No matter how much battery you've got, if, if the machine's worn out, the battery could still be there, but the machine isn't working, right? That's, that's the way it is. I want you to think about that. So um, now I want you to listen to what Dr. Gene Kim says. And this is going to be pretty interesting because he puts it in a different perspective. But when you, when, if, if you are a true believer in Christ and your creator or your Allah, right? Or Yehovah, Jehovah, whatever you want to see in your mind as your creator, take a step back and think of your scriptures and apply science to it, what you know, what you know that has been tested. And even those that wish to bind you know and cannot hide. There are a lot of things that they can't refute. And then you have to think, why have they been attempting to change my DNA all this time? Why are they constantly testing us? Why are they constantly doing this? Why were they looking for the God gene? Why were they making vaccines for this God gene? Why are they creating viruses? You must think of how and why, because nothing can stop what's coming. You cannot keep something bound so long, recycling it again and again and again to serve you when it's not yours to de demand it serves. At some point, the battery is still there and the machine, the body is no longer feasible. Uh, you know, therefore they're looking for ways to hijack the battery. A lot of people telling me about to cover this person for years, actually, for years. I didn't really uh, cover this individual until now, however. So I'm finally going to cover this individual now. But a lot of people are wondering if Emmanuel Macron is the Antichrist. So because I've received a lot of comments on that, and more recently, my church members start to get into that as well. So because of that, I decided to cover him today. We're going to look at a few passages concerning Emmanuel Macron. Now, you already can tell that there's a lot of things that we can make him a very good candidate for the Antichrist. Now, here's the thing. Your pastor is not saying that he is the Antichrist. I want to make that very clear. Wait a minute. Is this your the right pastor, video? Hold on. Hold what on. He hold is, on. Is that I'm going to mute it for a sec. He hold on. Oh, damn it. Wrong one. Damn it. It's not the one. Hold on. This is this was a dovetail, I think. Hold on a second. That's not the right episode. Hold on. He talks about it again. Hold on. Okay. I think this is it. Hold on. Let me just see. I need to see the whiteboard. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me just look. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Okay. Damn, he's done this video a lot of times. I've never noticed how many times he's done it. Okay, that's the that's where he talks temple. Hold on. Um Okay, is this it? Hold on. Sorry guys. This is like super cray cray. Okay, nope. Because <laughs> that was Emmanuel Macron. It's like lol. Okay. Um he's pretty fascinating. Like the stuff he says is so fascinating. Um, it's just crazy. I like it though. He uses, um, he talks about the one world religion of deception. He talks about so much trying to see because he had this nice whiteboard. Is this it? Um, let me see. Well, he talks about how the Antichrist elites took over um, the world. Um, you know, some of this stuff is like, mm, but, you know, he's got some, I mean, he's a, okay, is this it? Let me see. Nope. Gosh darn it. I'm so upset with myself that I can't find it. talks about the mark of the beast the false prophet tartarus devils i've never seen anyone talk about tartarus it's so you know incredible hold on i i am pretty sure damn um let me see if i've could have sworn I had maybe saved him somewhere for people so that I could share it. And they probably didn't. Oh, Lord. It was so good. I mean, I don't even know why I can't find it. It's as if YouTube doesn't want me to find it. <laughs> YouTube doesn't want me to find it. <laughs> Okay, so it's not Macron. Is it this? Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to play this one video while I look for the other one cuz this is actually quite good. Um where he talks about the antichrist didn't reveal his identity but he's here. Take a listen. Of what Satan's doing in the last days and what kind of wrong doctrines that he's using to spread to deceive people. And the one who's going to deceive all these people we do know is going to be the Antichrist. Now, you'll see all over the Internet about this guy's the Antichrist, that guy's the Antichrist. And they're saying that the Antichrist is already here or that the Antichrist is coming or that the Antichrist is born, but he's not revealed quite yet. They give all kinds of different names on who is the Antichrist. So what does this church believe? What Bible believers believe in is that, now some of you might be surprised at this, the Antichrist is already here. Now you might go, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? Bible believers don't believe in that. Yeah, actually we do. We believe the Antichrist is already here. And he, not only that, I'm going to make this even more. He's been here ever since the past 2,000 years. Yeah. What in the world, Pastor? 
So you believe that it's a system, it's not a man? No, I believe it is literally a man. What are you saying? He's 2,000 years old? Well, let's see how the scriptures line up, actually. So we're going to see what the Bible means about the Antichrist is already here. Let's look at the book of 1 like John that. chapter 4, and we will read verse 3. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. I don't believe in that. No, the, the Antichrist is already here, all right? But it's going to show you something. The Antichrist is already here, but he is coming. Now, that just gets more confusing, doesn't it? He's already here, but he's coming. What in the world, man? Well, you're going to see how the Bible lines it up and shows you the answer. We're going to look, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that what? Spirit of Antichrist. So, are there spirits that have confessed that today? Yes, they've been doing that for the past 2,000 years. They don't confess that Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, is not God. However, notice the second part. Whereof ye have heard that it should, should come, and even now spirits that have confessed that today? Yes, they've been doing that for the past 2,000 years. They don't confess that Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, is not God. However, notice the second part. Whereof ye have heard that it should, should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now that just made it less confusing, doesn't it? So it just said right here, he's coming, but he's already here. What in the world? What's the confusion right here? What's going on? You're saying that the Antichrist is already here, but he's coming. The scriptures clear it up. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we will read verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We will read verse 3. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so that's the Antichrist at verse 3. The Antichrist is at verse 3, he's going to be revealed. But you're going to notice at verse 6, even though he's going to be revealed. So Paul's saying this as this, this is future, right? It didn't happen yet. But look at verse 6. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6, And now ye know what withholdest that he might be revealed in his time. So not yet. Not yet. But keep reading right here. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity, iniquity doth what? Already work. Now, this is confusing, okay? It's repeating the same thing. It's repeating the same thing. He's coming in the future, but he's already here. Why is that? Let's look at Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Scripture with Scripture always clears things. Amen. And that's why Daniel was, was told to close the book at the end. Why? Because not everything's revealed. The remaining Scriptures were not shown. And it's unless you have the full scriptures, scripture with scripture, you're going to see the full revelation about this Antichrist. So the only reason why we can know the answer to this one is because we have the entire Bible and with scripture with scripture. Let's look at Daniel chapter 4 and verse 40. Now we're going to compare all these together. We're going to look at Daniel quite often. And then I want your other hand to go to Revelation. Revelation. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 13 as well. Revelation chapter 13. 
So we're going to compare scripture with scripture with scripture to find the answer. All right, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4. We will read Daniel chapter 4.、Uh, excuse me, it should not be Daniel chapter 4. I'm sorry about that. It should be Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. I apologize. What are you going to see? Daniel describes following kingdoms Babylonian, Persian, Grecian, and then the fourth one. That's the key. It's Roman. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in, in pieces and bruise. Now, if you know your history and if you know your Bible, that's going to be obvious. In history, how did the sequence go? Babylon. That's why the first kingdom was mentioned. The sec- what was after Babylon during history? It was Persia. That's why the second kingdom was mentioned. What was after Persia? It was Greece. That's why the third kingdom was mentioned. Now, in history, what was after Greece? It was Rome. So that's why majority of Bible scholars know, if not all, but majority of Bible scholars should know and they'll agree with that the fourth kingdom is referring to. To the Roman Empire. So it is the Roman Empire that was the fourth kingdom. Now you'll notice a specific note. It says the fourth kingdom is like iron that breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. All right? So this iron, remember this, this is a key. How are you going to find out? This iron, it breaks in pieces and subdueth all things. And we know that's Roman, okay? Once we realize that, Then we're going to find the answer. Go to chapter 7 now. Chapter 7. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 7, and we will read verses 7 through 8. What comes out of this? Look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. And this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, kind of like fourth kingdom, coincidentally, but let's ignore that. Fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had what? Great iron teeth. Ah, key, iron. But not just that. Keep reading. Iron that what? It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Ah, look at that. It's repeating Daniel chapter 2 about Rome, you notice. So there is no doubt that this beast right here is referring to Rome. Now, once you realize that, that Roman elements are involved with this beast, we're going to look now at Revelation,、uh, excuse me, look at verse 21. Verse 21. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Okay, now there's a horn, and this horn, it does what? It makes war with the saints and prevails. Now, who is this horn that makes war with the saints and prevails? See, that's why Revelation and Daniel, they're considered brothers. It goes hand in hand. But let's look at verse 25. Verse 25. He shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Now, look at this. This whore not only makes war with the saints and prevails, but it also speaks great things against God. 
speaks blasphemies against God. Where does this little horn come from? Look back at these verses, verses 7 through 8. You're going to find out where this little horn came from. It came from that beast. It came from that beast. You'll notice verse 8. So verse 7, right? It had 10 horns, this fourth beast, right? What's in the middle of those 10 horns? I concerned the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold, in the, this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld to the thrones were cast down the ancient of days did sit. So notice right here, verse 9. Here's the key. Now we know who this horn is. It's connected with this Rome. Not only that, it spoke great things, made war with the saints. And if you look at verse 9, who's after this horn's reign? It's Jesus Christ. There is only one ruler who will go before Jesus Christ. A powerful empire that's before Jesus Christ. And there's only one powerful empire before Jesus Christ who's going to make war with the saints and prevail, speak blasphemies against God. Who can that being be? It's obvious. Look at Revelation 13 now. Revelation 13. That's the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Look at Revelation 13. Ah, now I see what's going on right here. That's why the Antichrist is already here. You know why? This power continued ever since Jesus Christ. No, Roman power is not continuing, Pastor. Yes, it is. It is through its church. If you study history, you know your history. Roman Empire was falling apart. But what did those Romans do? They turned their powers to the churches. And if you study church history, if you study history, historians know this. A lot of religious, a lot of empires and kingdoms were subjects to Roman leaders, Roman religious leaders. Catholic did not fully come out yet until as decades and scores of years passed by a little more and more. So again, like I said, it was when they weaponized religion, and this goes across the board to all religions and all nations, right? This is why, um, you know, Jesus had chosen Israel because they were weaponizing Judaism too, if you remember. So I'm going to show you, um, I still can't find that one video, but, um, I do have, um, uh, an interesting other one that he did that talks about women and their role, um, in the primordial sin and the, uh, let me take this back. Have I ever told you guys, and my kid actually said this in school and everyone laughed, but it was true. Have I ever told you guys that when you eat an apple or a mango, that the fruit that you eat is actually sperm? Did you know that? That it is actually the sperm that seeds, uh, the, 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 the seed to, to, to make, um, more fruit. Did you know that? Yeah. It is actually the sperm. So fruit, is the sperm. So I wanted you guys to keep that scientific fact of how plants procreate, right? Not just apples. We're talking all fruits, right? That the, 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 the stuff that we like to eat of the peach, of the mango, of the pineapple, the actual fruit is, 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 is plant sperm. Just putting it out. I'm just putting it out. I just wanted to, um, 
bring it to you like that. Now, um, we're only going to see a few minutes of this. I, uh, you know, I stumbled upon him that one video years ago and it blew my mind and he just came to mind. So I just noticed that he keeps putting out videos. I found these two, man, this is going to be a long show, huh? We've been on here for like two hours, but this is so interesting. I'd be watching it anyway without you. Um, I'm just saying, so why not share it with you? Uh, here we go. I mean, I just can't believe I stumbled upon this one. And it kind of has what he had on his whiteboard that one time I saw. So take a listen. Women have a very important role in the Bible. And it was a very interesting, fascinating study for me. You're, I believe it will be a big blessing for you women. You women have an important role in the Bible. It should not be neglected or ignored. In this day and age that we live in, Satan, he wants to switch the roles of men and women. So what he wants to do is for the women to take the role of a man and the men to take the role of the women. But you got to understand this. God, he. Stop. See, I didn't hear it. I just saw, I just skimmed, skimmed through the whiteboard, but aren't we seeing this? This is, this is so insane, isn't it guys? We're seeing this actually play out in front of us right now. They want to give men hormones to make them, men, the men, women, right? They want to make them more soy right? Have you seen the boys lately? They look like girls. They look like little girls. A divider. He rightly divide things. Why? Because he knows what's best for the particular person in that gender, in that situation, in that class, in the, uh, etc. So the Lord does it for a reason, you understand. So you got to divide it. You got to realize women have their role and men have their role. So it's very important. So the world gives this brainwashed idea that we're all equal. But no, the Lord doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to think that way. He wants you women, your role undoubtedly overall is this. There's a very important role in this. But the world, what they want to do is that Satan and the world, they want to brainwash you into thinking that this is something despicable. This is something low life. That's why they would put Hollywood movie clips and teachers bringing up these kind of examples of women, how they uh, were despised by men and they were run down, et cetera, and et cetera. But uh, it's funny. They don't, they only show you lost people in that case or exceptional cases. They don't show you good, godly Christian women and men. They don't show you their life stories, how those women were treated. And it's not actually, it's something very prized and valuable. If you look at women of God throughout history, their role in this, it's a valuable asset. The Lord did not give to men. He gave it only to you women. What's the saying behind every great man is a woman. And what's the saying in Greece? The man is the head, but the woman is the neck and it tells it where to turn. So it's all working together and women naturally are supporters, nurturers, and prop up those with the bigger muscles. Hey, you go hunt. And you know, he may not come back, but that's okay. I could take care of the kids and stuff. I'll just find another man to go hunt for us while we create this family and continue. Right. I mean, I just, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm a woman that's very independent. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm someone that, um, as a woman, I, I have always taken the lead role and that was always a mistake because I never wanted to take the lead role in anything, you know, working, I was the working parent. It wasn't the other way around. Um, and 
you know, that, that for me is a mistake. Now, if you love a woman and you're a woman, or if you love a man and you're a man, that's totally fine too, because you know, your heart wants what it wants. And, and I'm game with that. But even in that relationship, there is a supporter and a lead and a lead that needs a supporter in order to be pushed forward. I, I, I see it like that too. It's caring for one another. doesn't matter on the sex. It's the roles for me. This is how I see it, right? I, this is how I see it. And I, and I'm, and I, and I'm proud for someone to say, Hey woman, get back in the kitchen. Yeah, that's what's up. You wouldn't eat if I wasn't. So yeah. For a reason, it's very important. So let's look at Genesis chapter one and verse 27. Genesis 1, 27. Now, the Lord, he created both man and woman. Now, I don't know if people actually looked at the verse, but there were people who objected that women are not made in the image of God. Now, I taught you that in the last video. Who's the one made in the image of God? It's man. It's not women. Women, their image is from the man. And there were people online who disagreed, even though I showed them the verse on that. So I don't know if they were actually looking the verse. I told you over and over again, don't believe a word that I'm saying. Amen. You have to look at the verse. Otherwise, I could be blindly saying something that's not there, or I could be saying something truthful, but you're not looking at it. So look at Genesis 1, verse 27. This is their proof text. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So this is supposedly their proof text that women are made in the image of God. Now, the simple answer is you just look at the verse and read it. Did it say that? Did it say women is in the image of God or is it man? If you're reading it. About women? He said he created her. He never said woman is made in God's image. So look at the verse. So God created man, but did it stop there? No, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. He repeated again for man. But now look at the next part. Male and female created he them. Female, he did not create female in his own image. It just says he created female. Do you know why? Because in Genesis 1.27, this did not, people are assuming this, that God created Adam and Eve at the same time. That's what they're thinking. So when they're, what they're assuming is that when God created man in his own image, at the same time, he did the same thing with Eve. That's not true. Notice he said man twice because it's going in a chronological order here. There's a time gap in that semicolon. How did he create Eve? Truly from man's image. Look at Genesis 2. See, it's a separate time period Eve was created. Look at Genesis 2. And look at verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. See that? From man, he created woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Why? Because she was taken out of man. 
So now let's look at mythology for a second. If you remember um, Prometheus and Epimetheus, right? Prometheus was the one that kind of just had man with all this great knowledge and men were just working and they were just mindless. They weren't aspiring to anything. They pretty much were just existing. And so uh, Zeus created Pandora, who uh, he, he created her in an image that Epimetheus, the brother of Prometheus, would fall in love with her. And he gave her a box and he said, hold on to this box, bear this box. Remember the gift right? So think of mythology, the same story has been told over and over again, where Prometheus, they had man, you know, he gave them all these things. They were doing genetics. They were just existing. Maybe they look like the Wallies floating on chairs, sipping Slurpees, who knows, right? But they had a society. They did talk about entertainment, women, nobody knows. Like if you actually look at the writings, women are never mentioned until after Pandora. This is you know, put out yet there were women goddesses and Hera was the spiteful wife. Right. But what did he do? He created a woman in the image that she was to marry Epimetheus. So, you know, again, why are we decoding things that are just words sometimes? And so Pandora ends up next to Epimetheus with a box that had misery, pain, disease, hate, unleashed the true nature of what men were, the true nature of what men were rather than be asleep is how the words are. And in the end, she had hope. That was the last thing in her box which was hope, which means you can find yourself back in the good, but the struggle is what you need to do it. So again, here in Genesis, we have that Adam was put to a long sleep to then take from him and create someone in his image. I mean, could you imagine if, you know, he just created a woman uh, just randomly? She could have been a giant. She could have been, you know, no, I'm going to make her just like Adam. So it's going to be made from Adam. I, this is just, you know, just a, a simile. We have to look at all the mythologies. You can look at the Indian mythology. Again, mythos, <laughs> as if they're stories. But think. See that? So this is very important to understand. First uh, Corinthians 11 is definite proof. We're not going to turn there because I showed you in the previous video. Now, I don't know what they were doing. They did not read that verse. Remember, what did First Corinthians 11 say? Man is in the image of Christ, right? In the image of God. But it said woman is what? The image and glory of man, right? You saw that 1 Corinthians 11. But people, I guess they weren't reading it. So I showed that in the last video, so I'm not going to repeat it again. Now, this is important to understand. Why is it important to say woman is in the image of man? Now, there's this one person that I thought was a brilliant comment I never thought of before. Uh, she said it this way. What a beautiful... What a beautiful thing that man is in the image of the creator and woman is the image of the creation. That was a really uh, great statement, actually, that I liked. Because the thing is this, the reason why it's important to say the woman is the image of man is because that's the role right here, is that you make up the man right here. Because you make up the man, you got to realize this. When these two become one, when the woman becomes the supporter of the man, it becomes a powerful powerhouse that even the devil will have a very hard time attacking. You understand? 
This unity is extremely important with women being supporters. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah 66. If you make them the same, then you get rid of this distinction here. Here's the distinction which is extremely important. Okay, so listen up. This is really important. You notice woman is not completely from what God created her in his image. Women were created partially from God's image. Why? Because she was created from man. Now, I don't know if you got that part. So let me repeat again. That way you can understand. God created who in his image? Man, right? So man contains God's image, correct? As God's image as man, woman, was she created completely from that or a part of it, such as the fifth rib at Genesis 2, right? It's from a nurturing side of man that's close to the heart. That is extremely important because then it shows the other side of God. Our God is a male. That's his image. But there's a certain side of him that you are focused on women. There's a certain side of God that you are very focused on that you should not put in a doormat. It's a very important role. And as a matter of fact, you and I would not be alive if it wasn't for this one. The nurturing side of God, that's where you retain from. See? That's a part of the image of God you retain from. It's not completely in this. That's man. It's part of man. See that? Part of the image. And that's the nurturing side, the fifth rib. This, these are beautiful verses. I, I get excited about this. Look at Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, 13. You better thank God he has a very nurturing side. So he likens his actions, his nurturing side, to what women do. Look at Isaiah 66, verse 13. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I what? Comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. That's why the Holy Spirit is known as what? The comforter. Aren't you glad that he's not the, he's not the a discipliner, the rebuker in this case right here? He's the comforter. Aren't you glad your God's a God of comfort? Not like the Old Testament where he was strict in his holiness and he stoned people to death. It's a God of comforter right here. So here's one thing that you share from God. It's his comforting side. Now, my question to you women is this. Do you use this gift God has given to you for his glory? Or do you keep uh, looking at some other role and you don't take the gift that God created you with? Now, look at another one. Look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Not only the comforting side, but it's love as well. Love. Look at Matthew 23, verse 37. Matthew 23, verse 37. If God was all holiness, you and I would be out of the planet forever without any existence whatsoever. If it wasn't for this one, then Jesus Christ would not have went on the cross of Calvary, and we would not be saved in Jesus Christ. This is an important thing that the Lord has blessed you women with. Look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen 
gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. God offers salvation to all of mankind. Here's my love at the cross of Calvary, but mankind rejects it, right? But that is a wonderful gift, and the thing, the aspect that the Lord has blessed you women with that you should take advantage of. Because this is from God's side. Don't you think that's something that you shouldn't despise? Something that's from God's attributes that he has given you women with. That's something you should take full advantage of. Now let's look at another one. Look at Psalms 18. I love this verse, Psalms 18. Psalms chapter 18. Man, this is a beautiful thing you understand. Something to rejoice and be thankful for. Because if it wasn't for these attributes of God... You and I would not be alive today. You and I would not have the motivation to keep serving him. Look at Psalms chapter 18, verse 35. This is great, all right? Aren't you glad God was very patient with you, no matter how stubborn and arrogant you were? And that's how he made you great eventually? So I have to stop and comment. So, Tori, why are you promoting certain religious spiritual interpretation but not others? Do you think your promotions are the only interpretations? It's no different than the propaganda of others. Well, here's the thing. Uh, in case you missed it, I'm talking about all religions, not just one. And all religions across the planet, no matter how you interpret it, right, have the same story told. This is where you sit back as an evolved member of this civilization that you have in this reality construct. And you can reflect from the days of yore to see how everything starts to make better sense when you don't just look at it as to what your priest says or what the book says, but you look at the, to the things that you cannot refute, such as one plus one equals one, such as the science that cannot be refuted. Everything comes back. You go back to the Vedas, any, any religion, they all have a common source. Any myth all has a common source. And again, I'll repeat this until someone who needs to hear it understands it. If the Egyptians were by a lake, they would have had a lake God. Okay. They would have had a lake God. Think, everyone has decoded and told you what the Bible says. They've revamped it almost every year. They're updating it, changing it, tweaking it, uh, you know, and, and there's so many spinoffs in Christianity from the original, from the apostles, which is the historical Christian to then become Orthodox Christian and Catholicism, and then to go Protestant, Jehovah Witnesses, you know, um, Baptist, you know, so many came out after it. It's as if it's the same thing that we saw. And I'm not relating this to the word of God. Don't get me wrong. Example, Q drops. How many people were interpreting them their way? How many people were with the red string showing pictures, doing proofs, doing this, doing that to convince you? What has it done? It's just got you chasing your tail. Everything is weaponized. Either that be intended for evil or good. Everything. But the facts, the foundations, no matter what spin someone says or how they see it, cannot be changed. Our God is so awesome. He has the wrath, the fury for his kids. 
to bitch slap him per se, right? <laughs> Get in line, dude. I'm going to set fire to you. Oh, your city is so filled. Could, could Sodom and Gomorrah just have been one city or could it have been one version of civilization that he just torched, nuked, eradicated, flooded the whole planet, eradicated. So there is that wrathful side. You see that in parenting of mommy and daddy, right? The daddy's the strict one, the one that puts his foot down. Well, I'm going to tell your dad if you don't. Whereas the mom is the nurturing one, the one that wants to understand. So there's balance. As a creator, no matter what you make, there's balance. Even as a mother, when you're disciplining your children, when there's an absent father, or even when there is a father, you have both sides, the one of wrath and punishment and sit in the corner and I'm taking your phone or here's a slap over the head because you weren't paying attention. The tough love, but there's also the love of embracing you and cuddling you and playing good cop, bad cop. I mean, it's a repetition, 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 repetition. All this duality, all these people that have a better version no one's giving you a version. I'm giving you tons of versions. You need to trust your gut, that inner piece of you that has the free will to understand what lies within you. That is it. No one can tell you what to think unless you forfeit your right to think for yourself. That's the way it is. And this is in all aspects, not just your religious beliefs, the way you play out your life, the way you vote, the way you walk and talk and dress. It has to come from within. I mean, if you like wearing togas, damn, you, you rock that toga. No one's going to tell you not to wear it. That's the problem. No one is telling you what to think. So I, I, it really saddens me that someone reads it like that. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm not a Baptist. He's a Baptist, right? I don't identify as a Baptist. I identify as a historical Christian, which means... My Orthodox church, they've modernized themselves. I don't even focus on that. I focus on the words that I read and how they speak to me, how they speak to me. Someone that reads the words of the Lord and says that a woman needs to be in the kitchen beaten every day because I could sell her for cows. Obviously, that's what speaks to them because that's what they identify with, right? The seed side, the seed side. So that's... That's a really important um, part to get through. I want to see if he, um, okay, where he gets into the abortion. We need to talk about Satan and the world. Here we go. And then he did one about Trump, just so you know. Um, and I want to play a portion of it. Isaiah 49. There is something in the role of a mother, actually, is that in the role of a mother, it's very hard, no matter how messed up your son or your daughter is, or how wicked they are, it's very hard for a mother to forget that child because that child was born from her. It's a part of her, close to her heart. It's very hard for them. And that's a beautiful thing the Lord has for us is that instead of forgetting and forsaking us and letting us die and burn in hell for all eternity, there was that aspect in him that would look beyond our faults, overlook our faults, <laughs> and still use us for his glory. And get, man, isn't that something to shout and be happy about? Even when you're saved, you slipped up many times and the Lord could have dismissed you any moment, but he overlooks these things and he keeps using you. Man, what a blessing. Now look at Isaiah 49 and verse 15. 
So what he's describing is what we've been talking about. I've said it, you know, um, even to my children, you know, whatever you may have done, whatever you think you may have, you know, uh, willingly have done and what you may do, you might do something, you know, so wrong, so wrong. You might, you know, be like Dexter, right? It doesn't matter. I'll still bake those cupcakes and come and visit you and love you for who you are. This is why for me, I can't fathom when, you know, some mothers totally reject their children or say, oh, you know, you know, that's, that's their choice. That's their show of love. But there would be no way in my mind ever that my kid, I would allow to be, you know, on the street or struggling or anything. I'd be like, dude, come back home, <laughs> you know, uh, come back home. I love you. And you will always be there for your child, no matter how messed up they are. If you're not, how do you detach from your children like that? It's, it's, I can't fathom that. I mean, maybe in somebody else's logic, they can, but I can't fathom, uh, you know, detaching myself from a life that came out of me. I, I can't, no matter how screwed up it may be, it is the life I created. And therefore I will love it until I can't breathe in their construct. And that's it. That's absolutely it. You have undying love for your children. You are willing to sin for your children. You are willing to kill for your children and every mother will do it. A man may, but not like a woman. No offense guys, but it comes out of you. You know, you created that, that human inside of you. They were part of you. There is no way you can dismiss it or cut that cord. This is why for me, when women chose abortion, I don't care if you were raped. I don't care. It's been created inside of you. It's part of you. How can you just destroy it? You should love it no matter what, no matter what. And, and that's how I see it. And, and that's how I see people too. I, I, Love almost everyone. Yeah, okay, I get into those pockets where I'm nasty and I'm like, oh, I want to strangle you. But then I fall back into the, oh, I really wish your eyes could see. I really wish your ears could hear because it is so much not like that. You need to just serve man and not like serve him as a dish. <laughs> serve man with selflessness. And if every single person did that, it would be like that picture where there's five people going over a gap, a cliff, and they have a stick and the, the guy in the middle is literally dangling to their death, but the other two sides are supporting them. That's the real love right there. That is the real love right there. I, 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 I can't put it in any other words. If we can show that to each human without falling back and I'm victim to it all the time. I get nasty and upset. And, you know, when I see people with masks, I want to slap them and say, Oh, well, I hope, you know, in my mind, I say it all the time and it's so bad. I hope natural selection takes its course and you just go. And it's like, no, don't be evil. They don't know, or they do know, but they're so far gone that they've disconnected with what gift they really have inside of them that they don't see it. And you should not you should pray for them. I know it sounds so, so weird. How could you say that and say that too? I can, because that's the way it is. This is how we grow and we learn. We identify when we do things wrong. I say it all the time in my mind when I see them. Oh my, they're the reason I'm telling you the people of the future can't stand the people of today. They're the ones, the people of a future.
let me rephrase that, of a future, hate every single human on this planet right now. Hate them. They wish that they could go back and just annihilate all of them because they gave them what they have, which is eternal slavery and no way to lift their heads. That's one reality. And if you don't see that that is a timeline that comes out of all of this, then, then, then your eyes can't see yet. So can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the sum of her, on the son of her womb? It's like a rhetorical question. See, it shows that no women can never do that. Yea, they may forget yet. What I will not forget thee. Now this is a blessing is that God's care and nourishment on the children is even stronger than women. So God gives a rhetorical question at first that women don't forget. And then later on, it is possible women could forget, but God, he will never forget after that. So it shows that his care is even stronger. So this is such a blessing is compassion right here. Compassion. The most unthinkable, that's why the most unthinkable thing that the world will see as despicable is a woman who kills her own baby and child. Because it's a rhetorical thing. There's no way a mother and a woman would do that. That's something that you're blessed with a gift and something that's innate in you. But there are some women that can do that. That's why what does Satan want you to do? That's why it's a, he wants you to do this. See that? This is Satan. He wants to ruin the role. And this is what these uh, elites are doing in our world to promote this. This is what the liberal schools are doing to promote this. What do, what do they want? They want you to become more masculine. See, they want you to forget this feminine side that the Lord has blessed you with. They want you to be what? Not just even masculine, but they want you to be what? They want you to be the dominant figure rather than what? The supporting figure. So you know what Satan's best role of today is? What he wants? What he wants today is a perfect example of Satan's world that completely abolishes all this is a liberal feminist activist. That's the perfect role. Why would he why would these liberals promote this kind of stuff that's totally contrary to what God wants in a woman? You know why? Because Satan wants to ruin what God has gifted and blessed and created you with. Oh, I don't like this. What? This is inferior? You say, you tell God this is inferior, what's on his side, what's close to his heart. You call this inferior. You call this despicable? This is a blessed thing that was close to the heart of God, you got to understand. Not only that, you got to think about this. This is really amazing and important as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that who is the day and age that we're living in that God is using? It's the church, right? What age are we living in? The church age, right? This is our time. This is our day and age. Who is the symbol of the church? Is it a man or is it a woman? You know why? She is what? The body? <laughs> she makes up. Remember, the woman is the same in one body with the man, right? At Genesis chapter 2. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You women have a, something very incredible right here. One with the body of Jesus Christ. You make up this one on how God's using at the body of Christ today. 
Do you know how the body of Christ is supported and marches on? There were a lot of women who supported churches throughout martyrs, where they encouraged their husbands to die for the name of Jesus. Women who helped their husbands to not quit the ministry. Women who took the soul winning positions and the ministerial roles when men have failed. Women have always supported the church throughout history. And not only that, why is it an age of grace you got to understand in this church age? You know why? It took all these attributes. This is New Testament. New Testament, <laughs> New Testament, and New Testament. And how do we fight against our enemies? Did we realize that also um, Christ is one that shows comfort, love, gentleness, and compassion? I say that all the time, even though I get evil sometimes. <laughs> when I get angry, I can be very scary. And I think that goes for everyone, right? But this compassion that we have um, is, is quite fascinating. We have compassion for people, and that is what we lack this day and age. We don't have compassion for the others. We we hate them because they wear masks and and they're you know pushing it down our throat. You know, don't look at the foot soldiers of evil. Look at the people that are just too too bound by earthly things to even realize that they are allowing them to take control of them. Now, um, I want to watch this. I haven't watched this stuff. Just by the way, I haven't watched any of these videos, which is quite interesting. I should, you know, uh, make time at night <laughs> uh, when I go to bed to listen to him, even though I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says, right? Um, I don't like the King James version of the Bible that he likes. It doesn't matter. We don't have to agree on everything. But sometimes messages are very consistent throughout time, through all um, religions. If we actually take the foundation of what they're saying, the sauce, right, the clip notes, they all say the same thing. So here is one where he talks about President Trump. Take a listen. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So it's important to know that in the last days we are to be aware of what Satan is doing. And we are to be aware what's going to happen in the end times so that we don't fall into the devil's mess. Now, one of the interesting teachings concerning the word of God. Okay, so I'm going to draw a, uh, I'm just going to draw whatever right here. Yeah, yeah, it's a laser blaster. That's right, brother. No, it's a trumpet. Thank you. <laughs> Stan's fired. Sean, you're hired. So... <laughs> So this is uh, the trumpet. Now, here's the thing is that there are seven trumpets in the Bible, but that happens during the tribulation, which is Revelation. So in Revelation, you will see seven trumpets mentioned. However, this occurs at Revelation, thus it's a tribulation time period. Now, we believe in two different raptures. We believe there is one at the tribulation, and we believe there is also one in the church age. So then we see right here in the church age, it will be Pauline epistles, Corinthians and Thessalonians. We see that. Now, the reason why we believe in a distinguishing of the rapture is because they're very, very different. I gave a video on that one. But here's one interesting video that I'm going to show you about the rapture sound. When God calls us home, it is likened to the last trump for Christians. 
That's different from Revelation, where it goes seven trumpets. But that's not how it works for the Christian church. Seven trumpets distinguished from the trumpet voice. So there's a distinguishing right here, and I'm going to explain why. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to start at verse 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Now take your other hand to, now keep your hand at 1 Corinthians 15. Keep your hand there. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Scripture with scripture shows the right interpretation to the Bible. Scripture with scripture. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now notice that 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and 1 Corinthians 15, 52, that we see that the Christian rapture is mentioned. One day we're going to be changed and go up to heaven. But what did the verse say? It said trump, but in Revelation... It's called seven trumpets. Now, here's the problem. There's a group of heretics, and they're called the post-tribulation or pre-rap people. They believe Christians will go through the tribulation, and they insist that the trumpet that's mentioned at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 is the last trumpet at Revelation. I just want to express to you the word rapture. Do you know what it is defined by? Merriam-Webster. Rapture is an expression or manifestation of ecstasy or passion. What? Or a state or experience of being carried away by overwhelming emotion. Or a mystical experience in which the spirit is exalted to a knowledge of divine things. So who is it that says that the rapture is all fire and throwing flames and blowing shit up. Who says that? Why would the end times, per se, mean that you are going to be in a hellfire? Anytime that someone thinks of rapture, in your mind, you see fire and burning buildings. Who told you that's what it's defined as? I'm going to show you. The um, the actual definition right now, we're just going to swap to it right quick so you can see it. You don't have to, you know, just believe me because I'm telling you, you can look it up too. But why not share it with you since I'm on screen? Because I have told this to so many that have preached about the rapture being hell on earth. And it's like, I think the rapture is just the great awakening. And look at it. Define an expression or manifestation of ecstasy or passion, a state of experience of being carried away by overwhelming emotion, a mystical experience in which the spirit is exalted to a knowledge of divine things. Kind of sounds like the awakening, if you ask me. Kind of sounds like feeling everything and understanding that you are one. Kind of, kind of what? Kind of sounds... Pretty awesome. Doesn't sound like something you should fear. Fear the rapture 
of God. I'm not fearing it. <laughs> I welcome it. That's the thing. Now, a lot of you have seen, those of you that have been listening to me for a while, how sound and the number seven are really, really important. Really important. So why would the rapture, think of it, the first thing that comes to mind is fire. The churches have told us that. Does the Bible say that? Do the words tell you that you must fear? Why should you fear if you have done nothing wrong? Why should you fear if he is coming? Why should you fear? It makes no sense. Again, the word doesn't inspire you to think of fire and destruction. So what is it? Why do you fear? Who is the one that fears? Is the question. Who are those that fear it? Let's go back to Dr. Gene here. The reason why is this is because if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 52 again, it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. So notice right there, it says last trump. So thus meaning that there must be a final trumpet noise. So that's what they're going to insist. If you look at that same verse, you'll notice it says the trumpet shall sound. So because it says the trumpet shall sound and it says last trump, they automatically assume this is going to be the seventh final trumpet at Revelation, thus proving a tribulation rapture, not a rapture before the tribulation, which is our group. However, there is a flaw to that one. The reason why there is a flaw to that one is very simple. It's because we insist right here that this is not the seven trumpets. This is the trumpet voice. That's what we're stressing on. Why? Because it's not just a trumpet. It's a trumpet voice. Why? One, because it says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, it says trump. It stresses trump. In fact, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 4, it only says trump. There is no trumpet. Another thing is that if the word trump is only found, only found in your Christian rapture. Not this rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4. Why? Because a trump, I don't know if you know this, trump is distinguished from a trumpet with a sound a trumpet makes. That's what trump means. Trump means a sound a trumpet makes. That's why we stress right here in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 52, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it's a trump, it's the trumpet voice. The sound a trumpet makes. Not one of the actual seven trumpets. So that's one. But not, but not only that, it's the trumpet voice, right? Who does it belong to? It's God's voice. When God calls out, see, it's going to sound like a trumpet. Now, before you say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, first of all, look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And look at verse 1, Revelation chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says right here, Revelation chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 1. The Bible says right there, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice, see that voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. See that? It's not a trumpet itself, one of the seven trumpets. It's a trumpet voice, a sound a trumpet makes. 
And notice, look at this. It looks like a rapture, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Look at that. Come up hither. And then John the writer, he goes, boom, up to heaven like that. That matches a lot with 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, with a trumpet voice. Because it says Trump won, and it actually happened at Revelation chapter 4. And what's interesting is that Revelation 4, John is pictured as a church. But aside from that, let's also look at Revelation 8. Revelation 8. Now remember, 1 Thessalonians 4, what does it say? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the what? Trump of God. Why to say trump of God? Because it's God's voice that's speaking out, a sound he makes. This one is not. This one is sounded by seven angels. That's why this is proof this is not the same as Revelation. God is calling out here. The angels are blowing the instrument right here. If you don't believe me, look at Revelation 8. Here's a verse on the seven trumpets. Look at verse 13. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the who? Three angels, which are what? Yet to sound. The final three. Thus the seventh is by an angel. This one is not. This is from God. Has this happened? Yeah. Revelation 4. You saw that. God calling. Not only that, look at the book of Exodus 20. Exodus 20. God did that. When God calls out the people, it's, a, it's his trumpet voice. Look at Exodus 20. That's why, do you know why it says last trump? I'll give you a hint why. It's a last trump because it's a final call for, for God to the Christian church. Because throughout the entire Bible, he has always done that. That's why it's called last trump, because throughout the Bible, God has always done that. But then with the Christian church, he's going to give a final call. Because what's going to happen right here at the book of Revelation is that the angels are going to sound the instruments right here. We're going to look at the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If you don't believe me, then we saw Revelation 4 as one evidence, but we're going to keep looking. God has done this throughout the Bible. He's done this with his voice. Many times. But then he's going to do a final one, and I'm waiting for that final one. Amen. That's why it's last trump, see? Now look at Exodus chapter 20, and you know the Ten Commandments, right? In these Ten Commandments, the famous Ten Commandments, do you think God gave it in a lovey-dovey voice? No, when he gave these Ten Commandments, he did it at a voice in verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the what? trumpet now look at this notice it says noise of the trumpet right see because it's a trumpet sound it's stressing that trumpet voice why who's talking and the mountain smoking and when the people saw it they removed and stood afar off and they said unto moses speak thou with us and we will hear but what let not god speak with us lest we die boom right there and not only that, go to the book of Psalms, chapter 47. Psalms 47. 
And while you're turning to Psalms 47, let me add this. Didn't 1 Thessalonians 4, the Christian rapture said, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a what? Shout. See, and then it says trump. See, it's more than, it's not, it's more than just a trumpet instrument like Revelation 7. This is a trumpet voice. It's the sound itself from God Almighty, the great I am. That ain't no regular trumpet, bless God. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 47 and verse 5. God is gone up, see that, like a rapture, up to heaven with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a what? Boom, again, see that? When you, There's this strange thing about going up to heaven with Revelation 4 that associates with trumpet voice. If that's not enough, also look at the book of Job 39, Job 39, Job 39. That Bible is amazing, is it not? That Bible is amazing. It's really sad that a lot of churches aren't teaching this. You know why? Because they don't know much Bible. They don't study the Bible. But that Bible has always been given out by people. But people don't take the Bible seriously. Instead, what's really sad is that they prefer what they want to do in their kind of organization. I see that in a lot of Baptist churches, unfortunately, and not just Baptists, obviously, all kinds of denominations and religions. They like to go in a traditional, ordinary format rather than studying the book itself. And that's why it's important to go to a Bible-believing church where you can get all that unlocked and you're like, wow, I never saw that that way before. And that book will always open your eyes and amaze you that you never saw before. We're going to look at Job chapter 39 and verse 25. He saith among the what? Trumpets, ha ha. And he smelt the battle afar off, the thunder of the captains and the shouting. Boom. See, when God speaks, there's trumpet noise. That's why what we stress right here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, this ain't no ordinary trumpet like Revelation. It's the trumpet voice. Why? Because it says Trump specifically. God done that before at Revelation 4 and the book of Exodus and the book of Psalms and the book of Job. And not only that, what you also notice is that it belongs to God. And that's not sounded or blasted by an angel. There's no doubt. There is a difference right here. There is a difference right here. And yes, he did rapture people that way. When you go up to heaven, it's done before. Why? The book of Psalms. Revelation 4, come up hither. And if you don't want to believe that's a rapture, then Revelation 11, he says that same phrase, come up hither, and they go up to heaven. And even post-tribbers cannot deny that one. So see, there's no doubt there's an association of going up to heaven, some rapture with God's trumpet voice. There's absolutely no doubt about that. It is evidence throughout the Bible. Now we're going to look at this verse at Job 39, verse 25. He saith among the trumpets, ha ha. But notice what's associated with that. Thunder of the captains and the shouting, right? Remember Exodus 19? Uh, we saw those verses. Um, to us, the rapture, this is to us, the Christians. It's going to be the voice of God for us Christians. But what about people who are not saved in the Lord Jesus Christ? To them, it's not going to be the trumpet voice of God. They're not going to hear it clearly like that. To them, 
They're going to hear it like thunder to lost people. We saw that at what passage? We saw that at Job 39 and Exodus 19, uh, Exodus 20, excuse me. What did the Bible say? The trumpet voice. It had thunders with it, right? The lost people, they will mistake that to be as thunder. But say people, they will know God's voice and they can tell that's him speaking. Oh, there's no scripture verse on that. I am glad you said that. Let's look at the scriptures. That Bible will blow up your mind. And people don't read the Bible. People just don't read the Bible. So look at John 12. John 12. John chapter 12. If you're not one of his, you're going to mistake it to be thunder. John chapter 12. So we saw Job 39, Exodus 20, that it's associated with thunder. But John 12 is really going to show it. Look at John chapter 12, and the scriptures will open your eyes so many times over and over again. We're going to look at John chapter 12, and we will read verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hours is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And look at verse 27. So Jesus Christ says, let your son be glorified, Lord. And how does God respond? Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. They, then came there a voice from heaven. See that? God's voice. But look, saying I have both glorified it and, glo and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said, said that it what? Others said... An angel spake to him. Look at that. They're all going to mistake it. You know what the lost world is going to do? They're all going to go when the rapture sounds. We know what it is. God's calling us. We're going up to heaven. The lost people, they're all going to go, oh, it's just some kind of thunder, some noise, some kind of angelic alien, some outer space, just some weird communication. And then we're going to have to take our technology to uh, read through that noise and see communicate and find the alien language this ain't steven spielberg fantasy show this is real and they're going to distinguish that lost people will do that how do you know christians are going to tell the voice of god oh we know go to john 10 john 10 are you part of the sheep of god are you saved in jesus christ then i promise you this you will know you will know and I also guarantee you this, lost people will not know. I promise you that too. Lost people will not know. You know why? Because John 10 shows it. We're going to look at John chapter 10. Look at the Bible. It's amazing. Verse 2, but he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So here we are trying to go inside God's door. But look at verse 3, to him the porter openeth. Okay, God. I want to enter inside with you. Well, he's going to open that door. But look, and the sheep, are you a sheep? All right, if you're a sheep, hear his what? Voice. And he calleth his own sheep by what? Name. Look at that. You want to enter in with God up in heaven through that door? You're going to tell. He's going to call you up by name. By the way, look at that verse. And leadeth them what? Out. Boom. We're out of here. We're, where are we getting out of if not out of this world? See, we're, God's taking us out of here, calling us up by name so that we can go up to heaven with him. Now, some people, 
they're going to insist, oh, you're just inserting that interpretation because this is just simply saying that we're going to enter inside Jesus Christ for salvation. This is just entering in salvation. This is not talking about some rapture up to heaven. But here's the thing, okay? Yes, the verses in, later on in John 10, we agree that passage is about salvation because Jesus said, I am the door by me if, if any man will enter in. There's no doubt it's talking about salvation here. But you got to realize this. The reason why this verse is still used for a rapture passage is if God does this with salvation, don't you think he's going to do that at the rapture? That's really obvious. You know why that's obvious? Let's look at some of the things right here. One, sheep hear his voice. Isn't God's voice going to sound at the rapture? If he does that with salvation, he's going to do that at the rapture. We saw verses on that. Number two, it says right here, we enter in through the door, verse two. Look at Revelation 4, Revelation 4. Keep your hand at John 10. Keep your hand at John 10. But go to Revelation 4 now, Revelation 4. Remember this verse where it says, come up hither? It's like a rapture up to heaven. But look, look at verse 1, Revelation 4, 1. After this, I looked and behold, a what? Door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard. Look at that. You're going in through a door and God's voice is calling. Look, John 10, if God does that with the door opening and his voice, come on. It's obvious he's going to do that at the rapture. Keep reading. And the first voice which I heard was as if it were a trumpet talking with me. See, not only that, it's calling the person. John 10 says he's calling the sheep. Look, there is no doubt. If God does that with salvation of your soul, you don't think he's going to do that with the salvation of your body? Was as, is, what, uh, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, notice, come up hither. Oh, that ain't a rapture. That ain't a rapture. Well, then look at Revelation 11, where it says, come up hither. What do you think that meant? These two dead bodies died and they went up to heaven at Revelation 11. Post strippers cannot deny that. When God says, come up hither, it means going up to heaven with him. See, so the, it's very strong right here. But let's not only that, let's look at other verses. Look at John 11, John 11. This is also proven with resurrection. Look at John chapter 11. When God resurrects something, I'm going to tell you one thing. When God resurrects something, he does call by name. Hey, at the rapture, we're all going to be resurrected, right? And changed. We're going to go to heaven. When God resurrects people, he does call people specifically. You know why? Because what he wants to do is pick up a specific individual who will go to heaven with him and not other people. Look at John chapter 11. You don't believe me? Oh, God never did that. Well, look at John chapter 11. You don't read much Bible, do you? Look at John chapter 11. That book is amazing every single time. And you're going to look at verse 43. How did Jesus Christ resurrect this dead person to life? So what does dead mean? Does it mean that you died like in this reality? Does it mean that, uh, you know, the sheep will hear him? What do we call people that cannot see the truth? Sheeple. I want you to think of it differently. Now you're going to see what I've been saying about the seed of Satan. I actually finally found it. I can't believe I found it. This is, I stumbled upon this years ago. And, you know, while we were here together live, I thought of it. 
and I've been looking for him and he has some really good stuff, but you know, I don't follow anyone. I read the book and it resonates to me and that's it. Now this one was titled Satan has a son and he's here. Who is he? Now it's not about Macron, <laughs> but he does a lot of various um, things, but you know, Macron is one of them. And unfortunately a lot of people are going to be very upset with what they're about to hear. But I was shocked. I was like, dang, somebody else said what I said. I actually said it to religious heads of churches and denominations. I had this conversation actually with an imam in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, I got him thinking. Because I would always slam about the box. That's another story for another time. But here it is. This is the clip I was looking for. And, you know, feel free to leave, right? I'm going to watch this anyway. So I'm streaming it for those that want to see. The rapture is just the awakening. Trump's voice was that to wake the people up. The sheeple will wake up if they need the boot on their face, and so be it. But they will awaken. Bible says that in the last days there will be doctrines of devils. First Timothy chapter four. The Bible also says that in the last days, Satan in Second Corinthians chapter two, we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Now, one of the things that Christians are supposed to be doing is that they are not to, supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, especially in the last days where he has a bunch of false doctrine out there. So Christians are to be aware of what Satan's doing. So here's one interesting thing, what you're going to notice. In the last days, all right? You ready for this? Satan has You ready? <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty wild right here. Satan has a son. Is that pretty well? Oh, no, I'm going to prove to you. I, you might. It's OK if you don't agree with the first few things. But I promise you this in the last thing, you're going to agree with me. And I mean, every Christian, including Billy Graham, he's going to have to believe in this. All right. So I'm going to show you he does have a son. Yes, he does. But first, let's cover the, the big things first. And then the final thing that everyone will believe. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. It's going to get wild. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Something strange going on here. The Bible says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay, notice right here that the Bible says that the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety. Something happened at the Garden of Eden. There's something strange here. So people, they will take this as, yeah, that's right, Satan tricked Eve. But there's something more it alludes, these words. When Satan beguiled Eve through what? Subtlety. Be the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety. There's something more it's alluding right here. This is going to get interesting. <laughs> Look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. Now, this verse alone proves Satan does have a physical seed. This verse will prove he has a physical seed. 
You might say, why is that interesting, Pastor? Did you pay attention to the word? That's why the King James Bible word, it gave you a right word right here. Do you know what the word beguile means? Did you ever look up the word beguile before? Charm, seduce. That's what the word means. It's not like, oh, I just tricked you. No, it's tricking through what? There's some kind of seduction, some sort of seduction going on. Now, look at this. This is interesting. When you look at Genesis 3, and then we're going to read verse 15. Now, remember, after serpent beguiled Eve, so Genesis 3, 15, right after the serpent beguiled Eve, what did Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 say? Look at this one. This is interesting. And I, God's promising Eve this, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So, excuse me, this is God speaking to the serpent. So, God is speaking to Satan. I'm going to put enmity between Satan and the woman. Okay, I'm going to write this down. That way you can pay attention. Satan versus Eve seed. I kind of gave it away, but you're going to see it. So there's going to be enmity between. But look at this. Keep reading verse 15. The end of the woman and between. So the enmity is not just Satan and Eve. It's what they represent. And between thy seed, Satan's seed. So Satan has a seed and her seed. Eve has a seed. Now, let me ask you this simple question. Eve seed. Do you think it was metaphorical, uh, figurative, spiritual? Or do you believe that the seed is physical? Yes, it is. The Bible, when it talks about Adam and Eve, oh, here's a bigger evidence why it's not spiritual. The Lord just donned this on me. What did 1 Corinthians 15 say? 1 Corinthians 15 says that our spiritual seed is not from Adam and Eve. They said that's the lost man's condition. Meaning what? The physical. So it's definitely not spiritual. It's got to be physical. So when God is talking about seeds, then this one, following context, following context, Eve seed and Satan seed, then this is what? Ooh, ooh, see that? That's why this verse really shows it's something physical. It really shows that. It really proves it's physical. Because if you switch it, don't switch it now, because we're following by what? The context of the verse. But let's look at something else also that's interesting. Look at Ezekiel 31, verse 19. Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel 31, verse 19. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. Look at Ezekiel 31, 19. What did the Bible say about Satan? That he was in the Garden of Eden, right? Thou hast been in Eden, the Garden of God. Now, why would God connect Eden with Satan? Here's another interesting thing. Ser the serpent, Satan beguiled Eve to take the fruit. Yes? 
But look at this. When Satan beguiled Eve to take the fruit, look at this now. Ezekiel chapter 31, verse 1. And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude. Whom art thou like in thy greatness? So God is speaking to Pharaoh. But this Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all right, look what he hears about. Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon. Okay, so it's talking about the Assyrian. But you're going to find out this Assyrian is a spiritual evil being. So that's Satan. But keep reading. The Syrian was a cedar in Lebanon with fair branches and with a shadowing shroud and of a high stature. And his top was among the thick boughs. The water made him great. The deep set him on high with his rivers running around about his plants. Uh, verse 5, it describes about his trees, his branches. Verse 6, the fowls of heaven made their nest in his bough. Verse 7, he's fair in his greatness. Verse 8, the cedars in what? The garden of God cannot hide him. Oh, so this Assyrian, listen to this, this Assyrian who's described as a tree, he said the gardens of God cannot hide him. So that's not a physical Assyrian. This is who? who who's this Assyrian then at the gardens of God cannot hide him? It's Satan. But let's keep reading right here. So this ain't some physical king. This is some bad spiritual king. Satan. But keep reading. Verse 9. I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches so that all, look at this, all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Uh-oh. Whoa. Mind-blowing. Did you get that right here? Okay. So then there were other trees in Eden that were not as fair as a particular tree in that garden. What's that tree that was particularly very fair that Eve was beguiled through? Oh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan is likened to what? That particular tree. How about that? Ain't that something? That Bible will blow your mind, man. That book will blow your mind. Satan is that tree. Satan is that tree. And that's what Eve was what? Beguiled from. We all agree, everyone agrees, serpent beguiled Eve to partake of the fruit. But you see right here, sir, the, Satan is represented as that fruit, as that tree. But it even gets even more interesting right here. Let's keep reading. Look at Proverbs chapter 30 and Revelation 17. We're going to connect these two. Look at Proverbs 30, Proverbs 30 and Revelation 17. Proverbs 30 and Revelation 17. Man, I got so many verses here. So this video is going to kind of go a little long. So I better wrap this up quickly. Look at Revelation 17. And that not that book amazing, man? That book is amazing. It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Look at Revelation chapter 17, and we will look at Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 and Revelation chapter 17. So how did Eve obviously eat the tree? With her mouth, right? Her mouth had to partake in what? 
Her mouth had to partake in this particular fruit of Satan. But what you're going to find out right here that this mouth, which she ate, the Bible says she ate, so eating. What you're going to find out here that with her mouth that she eat of the fruit, that the Bible shows that this part particular instance where the eating of the mouth is, we're going to come now to the spiritual case, spiritually presented as fornication and as sexual encounters. Look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipe her, wipeth with her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. Interesting. This woman eats with her mouth, but who is she represented it as? An adulterous woman. The Bible connects some, the Bible connects eating with the mouth with fornication. Let's also keep reading Revelation 17 now. Revelation 17, verse 1 through 2. Revelation 17, verse 1 through 2. When you eat your mouth the devil's fruit, God considers that as fornication in his eyes. Look at Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 through 2. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great who? Whore. So God considers her a whore, fornication, that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have what? Committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made what? See, the eating of the mouth, drunk with the wine of her fornication. So let me tell you something. In science, the word stoma means orifice or opening. That's actually what it means. And plants have something called stomata, which are openings on their leaves in which oxygen can come through and carbon dioxide can leave. So stoma, in actual fact, doesn't mean mouth. It just means orifice. Just uh, wanted to clarify that. God connects a lot of sexual encounters with partaking with the mouth. The Lord does that. That's why it's going to make sense that look at John chapter 8 now. John chapter 8. So here's where everyone's going to believe me. Everyone's going to believe me. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So this is where everyone's going to agree with me. Look at John chapter 8. That's why what happened in this encounter? In this encounter, what happened? God considers this as intermingling. That Satan, what? He produced children. And he has a son. This thing, this, there's no doubt, this particular transaction that was made produced children for Satan. And that's why people today are children of Satan through this particular transaction that happened. That's why say, you, if you are not saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, this title that Satan has a son is you, sir, and you, ma'am, if you are not saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 8 and verse 44. Notice the Bible says, Ye are of your father the devil. But it's so interesting. It connects sexual things again. And what? The lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own. 
for he is a liar and the father of it. You know who this title is? It is you, sir, who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Okay, so this comment is all the money. Like, that's money. But wait, wait. Shouldn't Satan have a daughter to pass on the mitochondrial DNA? Actually, Satan is male, um, according to this. And one of the most beautiful angels, of one of the most beautiful trees, we know this, right? Wasn't Satan the most beautiful angel uh, ever that was on the side as Metatron for God that revolted against him? Because he wanted to command rather than to allow those to command themselves, right? He was the most beautiful of all, right? He was the morning star. He was Lucifer. He was bright as everything. But what have we said about mitochondrial DNA? Unfortunately, it can only be passed through the mother, right? Only be passed through the mother. Therefore, if Eve was created from Adam and Adam was a direct in his own image, then Eve's mitochondrial DNA has been passed on from what God had in his own image. This is why that can never change. It can, it can mutate. We can take medications or vaccines to change it. But it was always consistent that it goes from mother to mother to mother to mother to mother. I'm just pointing out the science. You know, there's physical and spiritual. And spiritual is that energy you have inside you. And if you want to create a simile, your mitochondria are the batteries of every single cell. If your cell doesn't have mitochondria, guess what? Your cell is dead. So I just thought I'd bring that up. I mean, that's kind of a cool perspective no you are not saved but it gets even worse for you look at second look at first john look at first john it gets even worse now look at first john we're going to look at first john and second thessalonians 2 second thessalonians 2 and first john here we go it's going to get even deeper now here we go The Antichrist, he is pictured to be Jesus Christ. Jesus, Why? Because he's supposed to imitate, mimic Jesus Christ, but he's a false representation. Jesus Christ is what? The Son of God. <clears throat> Likewise, it would follow. The Antichrist is who? The Son of Satan. Is he pastor? Yes, sir. Look at first, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. What is the Antichrist called? The Bible says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The Antichrist, who is he called? Son of perdition. He's the Antichrist. Yes, Satan has a son. And that's the Antichrist. But guess what? God's not done. Look at 1 John. Look at 1 John. Why is it that you will be a son of Satan too? Ooh, look at this, man. Look at the book of 1 John. And we will read, I believe, chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> we will read verse 
3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, and this is what that spirit of Antichrist, where have ye have heard that it should come? And even now already is it in the world. Look at that. Those who deny Jesus Christ, he is considered to be what? He is part of the Antichrist. He is part of Antichrist. How about that, man? How about that? So not even physically, but spiritually as well. Look at 1 John 2.22. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is a Christ. He is what? Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. You deny Father and Son? You know what the Bible says you are? You are that son of Satan. You are the Antichrist. <laughs> How about that? I told you everyone's going to believe me after this. Everyone believes this. Is that Satan has a children and those are lost people. And guess what God calls you? Antichrist. But hey, it carries something even farther. It's not just spiritual. It's physical too. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Antichrist is not a spiritual being. He's a physical being. When God called him Antichrist and son of perdition, you think that was spiritual or physical? Physical. Genesis 3.15, when Satan produced seed, you think that was spiritual or physical? In the context of that verse, it was physical. When God gave that promise to Eve, you think she took that as a spiritual seed or physical? But let's look at something. One more golden nugget now. <laughs> look at Genesis 4. Genesis and let's just think, for those of you that want to refute that eating the apple was fornication, she still did something physical. She took something, chewed it, and swallowed it into her body. So it was something physical. Again, we are du duplicity exists everywhere. Duplicity. There's some good in evil and some ev and evil in good. That first sin is your DNA. Period. And that's basically what's up. I I I I say it in in this sense. This is something that I sat down with people and have many conversations of it. Uh, you know, back then they would say things the way it was. Maybe it was taboo to talk about sex or maybe the tree of knowledge was how they uh, interpreted it, the tree of life and, you know, trees in general. N no one knows how they, but the first sin was disbelieving what? Disbelieving consequences? That the physical body that was given to Eve, which was created from Adam, which was created in his image, was theirs to command and do. Therefore, they've done nothing wrong when they ate the apple. This is just, these are questions that every person should ask themselves. Deceit and misconceptions and people telling you how to see things. I don't agree with a lot of the things Dr. Gene says, but he's showing you with the scriptures where it's been consistently the same message. And there is a difference. Your spirit, your spirit lives on after you die, right? So they're not one in the same. The house 
that your spirit is trapped in, the skins that you wear, the clothes. Picture that the clothes are skin because didn't Adam and Eve suddenly wear clothes because they were embarrassed after they shared in the apple? And what was that apple? Because she convinced Adam to have it too. Think about it. This is four. Genesis chapter four. This would be very interesting to make sense then. Look at Genesis chapter four and verse one. The Bible says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, <clears throat> and Abel, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, let's assume, let's assume this. Let's assume that when Eve had some sexual encounter with Satan, that when Eve produced children, one of, one of the children that came out through the serpent seed... If we were to take Cain and Abel, who would you think would be the one of Satan and the one of, of the right seed? Would it be Abel or Cain? Abel would be the right seed, but Cain would be the wrong seed, right? But let's think about this, which is pretty interesting right here. Cain and Abel's birth, you got to understand this. They were not separate births. They were a twin birth. You might say, well, why is that mentioned, Pastor? Because look at right here, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. That means a sexual encounter, right? A one-time sexual encounter with Eve. What happened? The second, she bare Cain. But look at verse 2. <clears throat> and, meaning a connection. See, it's continuing. And, what? Adam sexually encountered his wife? No, she bare again. Abel. See that? So let me repeat it. <clears throat> Verse 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife. They had a sexual encounter. Okay, I just wanted to say, um, I'm going to remind you something, just so you understand the meat suit comment in the skin suit. Do you remember when Lady Gaga, years ago, wore a meat dress? Do you remember that, guys? Right. Do you know what she called it? Let me let me let me read these quotes. Lady Gaga's meat dress was a powerful political statement rather than just another attention grabbing outfit. The star says the look referred to a speech she made, the prime rib of America, which urged the US military not to discriminate against gay men and lesbians serving in the army. She says that the law prevents the military from enjoying the greatest cut of meat my country has to offer. So, in other words, the military should not be ashamed of fornication between same sex. This is all symbolic, but it's um, quite interesting, isn't it? If you look back to the scriptures that tell you that they suddenly wore clothes, you know, wearing um, after they ate the apple and Eve ate the apple and then convinced Adam to as well.
just pointing that out. Through that sexual encounter, keep reading verse 1, she bare Cain. She brought forth a child. So through knowing sexual encounter, she brought forth children. But verse 2, it does not mention he know his wife. It just says he bore. Uh, she bore, excuse me. He bore Abel. But not only that, it says and, verse 2. It's connecting. She. So basically, look, if the Bible says a sexual encounter once, sexual encounter once, new. And then if the Bible says she bare, and it's mentioned twice, come on, what does that mean then? If you have one sexual encounter and you bring forth two children, what does that mean? That means twins. Twins. But if Eve, if Eve had a sexual encounter with Satan, and that one of those children is from Satan then you know what? That, that is scientifically supported as superfecundation. Basically, twin births from two different fathers. You know what Eve thought? Verse 1, she thought this guy, I've gotten a man from the Lord. But what did First John, go back to First John, what did First John say? Look at First John. So we can take this as spiritual, but it could be that it's something more than spiritual. It could be physical. Look at 1 John chapter 2, uh, 3, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. Not as Cain, look at this, who was of that wicked one. So when that verse says Cain is of Satan's seed, it could be, really means that. It could really mean he was literally part of Satan's children right here. So the thing is this. One, we do know there is no doubt, there is absolutely no doubt in that Garden of Eden, God considered it sexual. God undoubtedly considered it as sexual. So through this sexual transaction, that's why Satan has children, lost people. So we can see that. The second thing, we do believe Satan has a physical seed. There's absolutely no doubt Satan has a physical seed. Number three, could be, could be, Cain, through this twin birth, was a literal son of Satan. Number four, Satan does literally have a son, and that's the Antichrist. And if you're not saved, you are that Antichrist, and you are the son of Satan in this video. That title fits you. Damn, that was some tough love, the way he just dropped the mic right there. Well, if you're not saved, then you are the son. Um, how many times have we said that um, our, our – no, we're not going to do that yet. I'm going to take that off. That's for another time. So I, I want you guys to think about it for a second. If, if, if that is indeed the way it is and that history has been changed and – Scriptures have been changed because they do. Everyone sees things differently. I mean, look at the differences between the versions, how they change them, how they modify them, how they omit things, how they allow things in. Just because some things may be wrong or through one perspective. Remember, a book is written through a perspective regardless. It's never not a perspective, but it is still true. 
right now, if you guys create your own time capsule and dig somewhere really, really deep in the Great Lakes and you put in a narrative of what it is today that is going on, you know, you might sound super primitive millions of years later when some civilization finds it and says, wow, this is so weird. You know, it always baffles people how um, children can be evil, right? And how, you know, some people are just so turned, so nasty. And every single person is nasty. We have to identify that. You've been nasty in your life. You've been evil in your life. Don't sit there and say you haven't. When you're condemning people for not seeing the, the things the way you are, it's still the same thing. That's evil. You know, there's a lot of comments that I've seen in the chat. No, it was like this. And I was like, who said? Is that what it said to you? Did you read it with your eyes and with your heart open to, to kind of think and draw knowledge from everything you know from day zero of your life to be able to interpret it yourself? Every painting is in the eye of the beholder and so is every writing in the eye of the beholder, right? That's how it is. Because inside of us, we have that inner voice. Inside of us, we have that gut feeling. And that is how we see it. So again, taking that step back from what we watched yesterday. I mean, do you think that, you know, if aliens were so bad that we wouldn't know about it yet? Damn. They're already here. They're among you. They sit with you. They eat with you. I mean, look at all these haplogroups. That's the thing. That I, I don't believe that people realize that the land, this is a time of super confusion. And it has been like that for 200 years. Symbolism will be their downfall because they can't stray from it. You cannot stray from symbolism. I mean, I think it's a unwritten rules. Those are the things that we must pay attention to. The subtleties, the words in between words. Thinking again, oh, all aliens are demons. Well, how do you know that? If they were demons, they would have eliminated us a long time ago. We got some good stuff going on here. And not to say that all of them are great either. Because they were expelled to this earth. Symbolism will always be their downfall. And it's up to us to not continue to perpetuate it. It's very hard too. Because we're all very stubborn, every single one of us. You know, just like Dr. Gene pointed out, there's a physical and a spiritual seed. Your spirit remains un, unbothered, untouched by your actions here. It still remains the same size per se, right? The same radiancy of light. But when you die, can it escape this realm of? Entrapment. Well, that depends on the spirit and how it sees it. Do you believe that this, uh, this, your earthly bounds, what are they? Is it money and clothes and cars and homes? No, it's not. It's your flesh and blood. Are you bound to it? You know, and it's so hard because if you want to function in this reality, in this construct, you must abide by its rules. And its rules are not only dictated by you in yourself, but the person next to you. And you all find a common ground to agree on. This is why they went after Dr. Greer for it. Like, what are you doing? Why are you telling people that if they actually 
focus on things that they can manifest them. They can speak them into reality. Do you know how many times I have been, um, to those that actually know me from my little group of friends, when I say something, they say, don't speak it. You speak it into reality. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because when we pray, when we ask, right? You cannot lie to yourself. When you say, I am a good person, help me. You know in your heart if you're worthy of it. You know in your heart if you're worthy of whatever you ask for. When you cry and you're in pain, he can hear it. But your mind, your spirit also says, uh-uh, not so fast, man. This is hypocrisy. No offense, but you're a hypocrite. See, what do they call it? Self-sabotage. That's what it is. But it's not that you're sabotaging. It's that your own mind and your own actions and your own reality and your own destiny that you carve out is done by you. You just don't realize it. So again, you're, let's talk about the small potatoes, which is right here on earth, right here in the United States of America. Who dictates who's president? You do. But unfortunately, the powers that be, the 1%, are telling you it's not. They're forcing it down your throat. They're telling you you're going to die. They're telling you there's a pandemic. They're reminding you every single day until you believe it and breathe it. But what about the 1% that could all together stop doubting what they really know to be true and in one voice speak it to fruition? right? You can speak anything into reality as long as you resonate on the right frequency, as long as you understand the power that you actually have. Everyone keeps saying, yeah, yeah, Biden's totally not my president. But then they're like, oh my God, look at what he's doing. Oh, you're accepting what he's doing as a fact. This is confusion. This is where I had been pushing all summer to find you're still in the chaos. You don't need to meditate in quietness. You don't need to pray in quietness. You could do it on a train full of noise, right? You could do it while you're talking to someone. I could be doing it right now, right? While I'm talking to you. It's finding that still within you to be able to uh, bring forward what you want. And that's the thing. You need to bring forward what you want. No one has the right to tell you what you want. No one has the right to dictate your future. This is why I said one of the greatest achievements that President Trump had ever done is to empower the people to understand that they can dictate their economy, dictate their future, take control of their lives and move up his voice. Remember, what did he scream out? I am your voice. Ah, remember that? When I said it was going to be biblical, right? So be it. And many may say, well, many people in the past have thought that they were at the end times. It was their end times, their end times. I mean, there were end times with Noah, right? There were end times with Sodom and Gomorrah. There were end times, end times. It's a constant flux. But I guess, you know, it's at that point where it's just like, hey, you're being really bad down there. You, you know, you're not... You're giving them that fog of war and you use those tools. Who teamed up with you? 
you two are in a lot of trouble for teaming up and giving the humans all these tools that now you're manipulating with your direct seeds. Remember, even Jesus came back to life without a body, without flesh. So weird. So he wasn't wearing any clothes, if you get it. So when we look at our politics, right, which is small, which is small in comparison to the grander scale of questions, look how much control you have over everything and you're just not seeing it. Um, I noticed yesterday when I was vibing, <laughs> totally, I walked into a store, I went shopping, you know, nobody told me anything. I had the attitude of, I was just really feeling love. It sounds so bizarre, but I wasn't angry at people wearing masks. I wasn't, um, you know, ticked off. I was just in my zone and nobody bothered me. But then when I went to the other store, I started to get really upset because I noticed everyone in Strongsville was wearing masks everywhere. Every, I hadn't seen one person without a mask. It was like I was the lady in the red dress of the Truman Show. It was like I was the random person. And I started to get upset. So when I went into the store to go get those pants, I was met with resistance for not having a mask on because I was oozing disapproval. I was oozing judgment. I was oozing all of that. But before, when I wasn't oozing it, I totally walked into a store where they beat people up sometimes. Well, it was next to that store where they would beat people up and they said nothing. Actually, I was uh, looking at something and they said, would you like a mask? I was like, oh no, thank you. How's your day today? And I just went about my day. I was kind of like really nonchalant. I wasn't judging everyone. And the minute I started to get judgy, dang, everyone was judging me. See, it's all about your mentality, your thought and what you ooze. If you're oozing judgment, damn, you're going to get tons of judgment. And it's so hard sometimes to control. It's really hard. I mean, I saw it. I was bitching in my head. Damn, stupid mask holes and this and that. You're so stupid. It's all your fault. People are going to die because you're too dumb to wake up. Oh, you're wearing a Patriot shirt, but there you are with your muzzle. Don't you get it? You're the worst one of the kind. That's the thing. People were upsetting me because I knew what they were doing and I knew what they were capable of doing. So I was getting angry. So the minute I walked into the other store, I was met with resistance. But when I wasn't judging, when I wasn't paying attention, when I was just focused on my good thoughts, my, my focus, my whatever, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to, um, uh, eating Zabaro's pizza. <laughs> right? I do. It's my favorite one with the canned mushrooms. Like, I don't know what canned mushrooms these people use, but it's magical, right? It's, it's the airport pizzeria. That is a hint. Um, but those, those, uh, mushrooms are just like, I don't know where they get their magical canned mushrooms. And I loathe canned mushrooms except for theirs. They're like different, but I was on a good vibe. I was like, Oh, I'm really craving canned mushrooms right now. And I, um, had just finished listening to my favorite song and I kind of just walked in and nobody bothered me. Nobody turned around and scoffed. Nobody wanted to impose themselves. It's like, it's as if I was oozing some like energy of, Hey, I love everybody. But then when I walked out into the mall to go find where Phoebe was so I can have those canned mushrooms, boom, I started to get bitchy. I saw 
everyone wearing masks. I saw people with Trump shirts and they're wearing two masks, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, all of you are going to kill everybody and it's all your fault, right? So you all suck. And all, all I was thinking was that. So when I went into the place to, to get the pants, you know, and I should have done it like 60 days ago. So I was going with my tail under my legs because I should have exchanged those pants 60 days ago. <laughs> right. So when I went there, um, 60 days late to exchange a pair of pants. So I'm already, you know, in a disadvantage of convincing them to give me the right size. I was also bitchy inside my mind, which was obviously reflecting. So, you know, it's very important that we have compassion for people that are hypocrites compassion and see even calling them hypocrites is a bad thing, but they are hypocrites. Ooh, I'm pro freedom, but there they are wearing it like nobody's business, you know, but you know, we have to have compassion, compassion that they're too scared, compassion that they live in this state of fear, compassion that they do not know the power that they actually yield compassion that they are loved no matter what compassion, compassion that, the governments and those that have been ruling people have removed from our notions. The destruction of the nuclear family is nothing, right? It all started with, you shouldn't be responsible for your parents. Get rid of them. We'll get social security. Basic example. How many parents are like, well, my kids fuck out. That shouldn't be the case. Why not let your kids stay there until they get married and have a home? My house, my rules. You can't be going out to party. Why? They would be doing it on their own. Isn't it better to have your children closer to you and love you? Don't charge your kid rent, but say, you know, hey, you're living here. Uh, you should contribute just like you did when you were under 18 and did chores. As long as you mind your business, you know, I will clean your clothes. I will feed you. That's a mentality all parents should have. To want to nurture them. I mean, let's get it straight. Up until the age of 30, none of us knew what the fuck we were doing. Some of us had great direction. We already knew what career we were doing, right? But I, I, I look back on things that I was doing that were massive on a, you know, work scale, right? But on a personal scale, I was massively retarded. Okay. I was gullible as shit. <laughs> I'm surprised I lived through something and I'm talking personal stuff, right? Personal stuff. So dumb that I couldn't even see evil in front of me when I met it on a personal scale because we can't compartmentalize. So, you know, we should be embracing our children like crazy. Hey, you don't need to live out on your own. You could still um, stay. You could still stay um, at home. You could still go out with your friends and party. You know, you could still do things like, yeah, no sex under my roof because that's just weird, you know. If you have a part-time job or whatever, rent yourself an hourly hotel. I don't want to know, right? But you're my child and I want you to have food in your tummy. I want you to be warm. I mean, the fact that my kid's serving and she lives far from me, I'm always on top of it. Hey, you know, have you eaten today? I even have, I even sent her a spy device, right? I sent her one of those Alexa devices so I can drop in. So it's in her kitchen. So basically I can you know, call her and literally see her, right? Just like she can to me too. But it brings some comfort to me as a parent that I can see her and say, uh, you know, how's my baby doing? Have you slept? Because I wonder that sometimes from deadbeat dads, you know, that don't want to know or moms that, you know, just like don't talk to their children. 
I'm like, dude, how do you not wonder if your kid had a warm blanket, if they slept, if they ate? You know, I'm just saying, as a mother, I'm saying, right? I don't know how they can do that. I feel bad for people that have had that disconnect. And maybe it's something that we all need to work on. You know, have that connection again with our own children and, and our families. Uh, it's missing. It's missing. And regardless, yeah, family is going to piss you off. But in the end, they're always going to be there regardless, right? So attitude is super important. And I'm going to try to check my attitude today before I go where I go. Because I'll be amongst a lot of liberals. So um, I'm going to check my attitude. I'm going to raise my frequency as I drive out there. <laughs> or maybe I'll just, um, while my child is enjoying herself, maybe I'll just sit in... Um, my car and watch Netflix um, to avoid um, because you know that human side of us damn when that human portion of it catches up you just become evil right don't you catty bitchy complainy pants right so today I had fun I was watching this while I was um, organizing papers um, for one of the two lawsuits that are active. Oh, and I wish I could talk about them so bad. I wish, but you know, you guys funded it. So, um, you'll see. It'll be kind of awesome. But, um, yeah, I was going to watch this anyway. So why not share? Right. Um, this guy, I don't agree with everything he says, but it's always important to listen to different perspectives and listen to the left, the right, the middle, the heathens, the ones that say they are holier than thou and all religions and all churches. Uh, I, I've taught my kids that too. Um, if you're reading the Bible, you should read the Quran. You should read, you know, Torah, Talmuds, you know, Sanskrit. You should read all of it um, because uh, we get a little bit of everything. Um, and, and, and that's how you grow as a person, by seeing it from a full 360 perspective, you know. It's actually 369, but that's another story for another time. So on that note, guys, God bless you. Um, I hope it was fun today. And hopefully that movie collided with the stuff that we showed today of, um, you know, Dr. Gene. Because I think, you know, his stuff is sometimes pretty on point And he breaks it down to a way that you're like, okay, so how are you going to argue this one? Um. And we'll close it off with um, a song that I hope you guys are paying attention to the words of Seven Nation Army. God bless. God bless. I'm gonna fight them all. Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back. They're gonna rip it all Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at night Because I can't forget Back and forth through my mind Behind a cigarette The message coming from my eyes says leave it alone.